tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Our free phone number won't cost you to make that call. Emma is producing today. Coming up on the show this morning, around in the Doyle, between Matthew McGrath and Holly Carnes uh, over the emigration question. The UK's COVID inquiry hears evidence from the former Prime Minister Boris Johnson. But when can we expect our own inquiry here in Ireland? Ireland's new uh, deposit return scheme for bottles and cans launches on the 1st of February next year, but what does it really mean? Uh, Calls on social media for a mural to pay tribute to the late, uh, great Shane McGowan in Nina. We'll discuss the liver with Muriel in our health slot. We have a taste of this week's Down Your Way and we have some farming news for you as well. So all of that and much, much more on the way. We'll give you a cue to call to win a voucher as well because, of course, we're celebrating the fact that Christmas shopping in Thurles this year is absolutely fantastic. Listen out for this. Ho, 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 ho. It's Christmas in Thales. And when you hear that, it's your cue to text or WhatsApp. And uh, we have a 50 euro voucher for Salmon's Pharmacy, Liberty Square in Thales, and a 50 euro voucher for Supermax on Liberty Square as well. So all of that and much, much more on the way. Uh, the text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. You can email tip today at tipfm.com. Let's have a look at the front pages. The Irish Independent, their main story, the government's own fiscal watchdog has accused it of using gimmickry and uh, trying to game the system to downplay an inflation-busting 12 billion euro budget giveaway for next year. The Irish Times, again, leading with that particular story and also a story by Conor Lally uh, telling us that between 450 and 500 complaints alleging Garda members have used excessive force are made each year, according to GSOC uh, figures. But the number... Uh, that end up in court is in the low single digits and such cases very often result in uh, acquittals. I would imagine there'll be much discussion on that. The Irish Examiner, their main story, a Finnegoyle politician who was harassed with threats made to his children and his home has uh, claimed his perpetrator got off lightly and that the suspended sentence handed down to his harasser is not enough of a deterrent to others. And also on the Examiner today and right across the uh, papers news that the Tawnish de Michal Martin has launched legal action against Google over the use of his name and image in a scam financial advertising online. And finally, a look at the Irish Daily Mail, a very sobering story there that a couple seeking to buy a new three-bedroom house in Dublin need a minimum combined income of €127,000, making home ownership, you know, virtually impossible for, for young people. A combined income of one thousand. Uh, 127,000, can you imagine? Anyway, that's a look at what's making headlines today. Do you want to um, make comment on any of that? Once again, uh, 83 Now, Boris Johnson is to face a second day of uh, grilling at uh, the UK COVID inquiry today. The former Prime Minister returns to the hearing, having been booed by crowds of bereaved families on Wednesday. 
during his first day of testimony, Mr Johnson's apology to the nation was interrupted by four people who staged a protest in the hearing room. Here's some of the main points from yesterday's inquiry. Could I say, by your leave, uh, that I understand the feelings of, the, of these victims and their families, and I am deeply sorry for the pain and the loss and the suffering of those victims and, and their families. Because it had been trailed beforehand over the weekend that he was going to apologise or attempt to apologise. And that's why we decided we were going to make it clear that we weren't prepared to accept that. So as soon as he started, we stood up with our signs. Um, we were very quiet, very dignified. We've been here lots of times. We always remain quiet. Um, but it's very difficult to, to hear an apology from somebody who doesn't mean it. Um, and so as I was leaving, I said... I don't accept your apology. Not at all. I don't believe it for one moment. I think it's empty apologies. It's him just trying to make himself look good for whatever reason. But actually, the, the apology is meaningless. Do you know why your phone was missing those 5,000-odd WhatsApps? I don't know the exact reason, but it looks as though it's something to do with the app going down and then uh, coming up again. Um, but somehow uh, not automatically erasing all the things uh, between that date when, when it went down and the moment when it was last backed up. So I, I can't give you the technical explanation, but that's the best I'm able to give. The scenes from Italy really rattled me, and um, it was... I thought, uh, I, and I remember seeing a, a note somewhere saying that eight, you know, the fatality rate in Italy was 8% uh, because they had an elderly population. I thought, well, my God, we've got an elderly population. This is, this is appalling. And this can't be, this can, and I thought, this, my instinct was this cannot possibly be, be right, you know, this, this, this number. Um, and, um, I mean, you know, just so you know, I, I, I look at all this, stuff in which we seem so oblivious with, with, with horror now. I mean, we, we, we should, have, we should have, have twigged. We should collectively have twigged uh, much sooner. I should have twigged. That's uh, former UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson uh, leaving the inquiry yesterday to shouts of murderer. And uh, I'm glad to be joined now by nurse and uh, Labour candidate in next year's local elections, Louise Morgan Walsh. Good morning to Louise. Good morning, Fran. How are you? This I'm morning? very, I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you uh, today, Louise. You've spoken to me many times on the show, particularly during the COVID crisis, because you were one of the people on uh, on the front line. We're being told, Louise, that our own inquiry won't happen here until at least March. Um, do to begin with, yeah. how badly do we need an inquiry, as far as you're concerned? Well. To be honest, Fran, I don't think that it's an inquiry really that's needed in Ireland because a lot of government departments and agencies and Oireachtas committees have a lot of this work done and pilot reports done. But I think they all need to be amalgamated now and then looked at and concentrate on the area, obviously, of concern. I know nursing homes will, will be probably more than likely be a big one. But um, I suppose 
it's more of a, I think we need more of a look back and see what we did and what we could have done better. Um, like the last lockdown, was it worth it? Mm. Closure of schools, etc. It's about what we can learn from what happened rather than anything else. I think as a country, I think I feel anyway that we did very well. Like, I mean, everyone that worked in the front line, guards, nurses, um, everybody, doctors, everybody did, public servants, e- teachers, everybody did to the best of their ability what they could in a situation which we knew very little about. And the notion of compiling reports that are already there, the danger around that, I suppose, is, I mean, who would adjudicate it, I suppose, Louise? You know, who would analyse it and who would decide whether or not certain actions were uh, appropriate? And certainly where the nursing homes are concerned, I mean, I think that that deserves an inquiry just all on its own. I think it should be a group of eminent people, um, obviously, who are not involved, who will assess all the reports and meet people, um, discuss it, do a report. I, I, personally, I just don't feel it should be judge-led. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just don't think it should be judge-led. You, you don't think it should be a judiciary type of uh, inquiry, is you that know, it? I know we had, geez, we had so many deaths, and I mean... I want to offer condolences to all the families out there for what they went through in very hard times where you couldn't have proper funerals, where there was closed coffins. Mm. And I know a lot of these people are still suffering because they haven't got a chance to properly bereave their loved ones. Um, But I know the deaths in the UK were like Mm. far more. Mm. They were astounding. Um. And, and and in terms of how it was dealt with here, you know, sure, yeah. I mean, it's it's not that long ago. We can all remember no, some of the yeah. tragedy around allowing elderly people from, from hospitals back in to nursing homes and, you know, yeah. the, the chaos that yeah. surrounded them. I mean, are people not entitled to know whether there was a, a willful disregard, I suppose, for the lives of they're, the elderly at the time, are, Louise? No, they are 100% entitled to know, but I just don't think a judge in a courtroom is the way to go. I think there should be this group of people leading this and finding out what happens. I do think they deserve answers. Of course they deserve answers. Mm. But I don't know if an inquiry with a judge is the way to do it. And so you think some sort of... I'm just wondering, how would that work then? Because, you know, you set up some sort of chairperson and... A group, but who would choose the makeup of that group? Then that would be the issue, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would. I suppose that's all. Mm. I suppose that's all out of the open at the moment as to how it would be done. It would be a. It have to be a very tight, fine process, as I said, with people that have no involvement. Mm. Is there a danger as well, though, Louise? I mean, we're leaving it as long as we possibly can. So yeah. it's going to be March, possibly, according to Leo Varadkar, yeah. of, of next year. Is there a danger that memories will fade no. a bit and, you know? No, well? I don't think so. I don't think so. Like, people, there are things, I suppose, will never leave people, from. They'll always have those awful memories. Um, there's something that's never going to leave them, unfortunately. A lot of people out there are suffering an awful lot from post-traumatic stress and what they went through. 
Absolutely, and and we we're still hearing from people. Would you believe, Louise, all yeah. all of the time where where that is concerned, you know? But uh, I would. Uh, the the other issue we wanted to talk to you about uh, today, Louise, is that notion. I think it's a very good one as well of a, a mural yeah. of Shane yeah. McGowan in in yeah, Nina. Would you talk to me about this? Was was this your idea initially? It was, Fran. I actually put up a post a few days ago on Facebook. I was it was the day that Shane had passed away that worked that out that I thought. How could, what would be the best idea to incorporate Shane's memory and his story? And I mean, he was, his gift of poetry and music and art was just phenomenal. And how could we incorporate it into the town? So I remember when I was looking through some um, Tipperary County Council planning applications that they have two at the moment that are on display for all of the public. I don't believe the public know that these are here. Um, because I haven't heard any Mm. other councillors or anybody talking about it. So I put up a big post. These two applications are, one is for the former Sheehan hardware building in Nina. Yes. So the planning for this can be viewed in the county council offices. You can also go online to look at it to see what they're looking to incorporate into it. You can submit your own ideas. And they have to be in for the Sheehan's one on January the 4th, what you would like to see being mm. incorporated into it. But the one I was thinking about for Shane, and I think it's very fitting actually for him, would be the Nina Historical and Cultural Quarter in Bamba yes. Square. Yes, yes. It involves Bamba Square, it involves the castle, it involves um, the Gale and the Heritage Centre. And I think this is the way to go to get Shane McGowan's story, memory, and everything into the town, I think we... And for mm. his family as well. Because you know, we, we, we all knew, uh, to some degree, uh, Louise, how important yeah. Tipperary was to him. But well, really, since his death, it really has emerged that it was it was at his core, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was totally... And when you see all the pictures emerging of him with all the local people yeah. and, and condolences again to his family um, and to Billy Ryan, one of his best friends, and the pictures that come are just... They're unbelievable. They're phenomenal mm. to see. They actually really touch you to see like how much he loved Nina, Carney, Silvermines, and how much people loved mm. him. And globally, Fran, as and, well. And, like. and what I love about it is that you talk about Philly and, and the bar there and all yeah. the various places. that we, But he went in there as one of the lads, not as a he superstar did. arriving in the air. Do you, do you know what I mean, Louise? It was, he was a normal person yeah. like everybody else and wanted to be treated like that when he was in Nina. Yeah. And it's just phenomenal. So I put the post up anyway that Emmett's place, the big wall there at the side of Jergavins, that I thought a beautiful mural there, mm. mural there, because that's going to be the one-way system. Of so course, yeah. So people could could could. It's going to be have, so visible. Yeah, maybe have time to 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 look at it. Uh, the the Gough O'Keefe and Norton building as well. That where where they yeah. had their own sign up there. That's that's very visible too on Pier Street, isn't that's it? That's very visible too. Yeah. So I think it's so important, friend, that people either make a submission. They have to be in by the 18th of January, or else they can contact me because yes. I'm in the middle of doing up one. But and then like you could do. Some people had said for a statue, which is a fantastic idea as well. And the whole Shane experience, his whole story, I think, needs to be told. Well, that's for that, that that's for certain in, indeed. And I'm yeah. sure that, you know, he has so many fans around the world. Wouldn't they love to visit the area where he got most solace, I suppose, o- over the years? Do, do I gather from, from a text we got from Did other people jump on this bandwagon, Louise? Oh, yeah. Look. 
I seen a, um, a councillor had put it up all right that um, you know he was going to he was going to bring it up next week, which is fantastic. And actually, I'm delighted now that he's coming on board with my idea because um, the more councillors that get involved in this, the more local people. And obviously, Shane's family are grieving at the moment, and they need time. But I'm very sure very sure that they will be involved in it and need to be involved in it as well right. because. I lost my own brother, as you know, Fran, and I think keeping their memory alive, no matter what, um, whether they were famous or not, is just so important. Well, it's so important indeed. And, uh, the, and actually, the, yes, Louise, sorry. sorry. Fran, yes, go when on. you look up the Nina Historic and Cultural Quarter, what it's about, it actually says, and I just wrote it down because I actually thought it was really good, it says, it's about where stories unfold, where characters are discovered and developed throughout the day, a weekend or a lifetime. And I think that's just, says Shane, really, doesn't it? Well, that's that's uh, for sure. By the way, the counsellor you're making reference there, is that Jamie Morris you're talking about? Um, I'd rather not discuss it on the radio, to be honest, Jan, um, Fran, but I would like to say that I would thank him for actually... Um, getting on board with this, my idea and for hopefully helping to make it happen. All right. Louise, look after yourself and thanks for coming on with me today. Thank you. Thanks a million, friends. Take care. Bye-bye to you now. That is nurse uh, Louise Morgan Walsh there, a candidate in next year's local local election for the uh, Labour Party. Um, 1800-938-007. Patrick was on to say, um, Fran, uh, Louise is talking as a would-be politician, not as a nurse. There, there should be a judicial inquiry into COVID and more so into care homes um, and people who are trying to understand their grief. It was very unfair uh, th- what uh, happens, as Patrick on only three three double one double three double one. Let's put it out there to you. I mean, it looks like a COVID inquiry is unlikely to happen before next March in this country. I mean, is it is it cynical that there's hopes that memories will have faded by then. What do you think about that? And um, what manner should the inquiry be held in? I mean, should it be a judicial inquiry or more uh, towards what Louise was talking about there, some sort of appointments of uh, various experts, I suppose. Um, I'm not sure who who would appoint them or how that would work, but anyway, we'd love to hear from you. 83 Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie At the very top of the programme, we played you some audio from former British uh, Prime Minister um, uh, Boris Johnson, but the uh, British investigation into the official handling of the pandemic has been ongoing in public for several weeks now at this point, after months of discovery relating to all sorts of things like documents and reports and phone records and WhatsApp messages and uh, the like. But what about an inquiry here in Ireland? Richie joins me now. Richie, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Good to talk to you today. What about an inquiry here? We're, we're being told it won't happen till at least... Uh, next March, Richie, is it necessary? I think it is necessary. However, I don't think it's a call on the government to have such an inquiry because it's just like asking the um, fox to mind the chickens. The the outcome will be in favour of the government and it won't be on a a neutral term. 
I think it's actually something like onto a people's inquiry and present the evidence to the people and let the people mm. make their mind up on what actions should be taken. Should there be arrests? Should there be people jailed for their complicity in the whole affair? And, so, and how would you set up such an inquiry, do you think, Richie? I mean, somebody would have to set it up. Uh, so from your point of view, if it's not to be government-led, I mean, how would this happen? That is a very good one. I don't mm. even think I could even answer that yeah. one. You know, yeah. I think a solution, like I said, had to come up of just ordinary people, have the information put in front of them, and let them come to a decision. Yeah. Much like a jury. You know, we, and we you'd have to find people. Like you'd have to find people, I guess, who had no hand act or part in it to adjudicate the problem. Exactly, yeah. we need something like that on, on a neutral ground, and I don't think that's going to happen because the government will still want to come out on top at the end of the day, saying they've done nothing wrong. You know, now we did have admissions from Barack only a couple of months ago that some things were overboard and like it was a step lockdown, in the right direction. For example, the, yeah, yeah. But, well, not just the last one. It's all of them, you know. Um, no, but you, like you, I, I you, you were he, talking about Leo Vraca, and I just said he, he was questioning <clears> himself whether the last lockdown was, was necessary. Yeah. Was gonna, yeah. I mean, there were ridiculous times for for people. People were brainwashed, I think, nonstop through the media, you know. And I know the media have to get their news from the government. And I understand that. Mm. But it was just non-stop um, barrage from the government. You, you couldn't get in your car and go for a drive for two to three hours and you just want to listen to the radio, just a few mu- tunes or whatever. It was always um, stay home, wear your mask, um, social distancing, stay within your five kilometers. Everything was just non-stop at the time, um, a one-way conversation. And if you spoke out against it, you were declared anti-vaxxer or, or something and it's the the same thing today if you speak out about illegal immigrants coming in they now put a new name on you that you are a far right person but like the COVID thing was just ridiculous I think I mean it was a very much overstep on our civil liberties and what we could do and what we couldn't do you know mm. they can say unprecedented times that we didn't know but you don't trample over people's rights you know people are still big enough and old enough to understand what they can do and their part of anything that goes on you know mm. people should choose what they want to do but yeah. i think and, a government inquiry this, by the government and even at this point richie um because you and i would have spoken in the past of course needless to say but yes even even at this stage would you i mean when when i hold my own hands up here and said that yeah mm-hmm. people were encouraged to be vaccinated. Yeah. We were listening to people who were the so-called experts. Yeah. They were telling us that, you know, to keep people safe and keep people from dying. But it's like the same thing, like they're going to run and jump off a cliff. Do we all run and jump off the cliff at the same time? Yeah. There was no voice or reason at the time. Hold on, lads, we're rushing into something here. Yeah, yeah it was a single narrative. Let, 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 I, I have to agree with you on that. You know? It was a single narrative completely. Yes. Yeah. And I will say fair play to you, Fran, and to FM for allowing ordinary people like me to speak. Because a year and a half ago, if this was an RT problem, I'd be shut down. Sorry, we just lost that call. We're trying to get him back because you'd be speaking the truth and that wouldn't be allowed. Uh, hence, the, the hate speech crimes are coming up again. All our conversations could change in the next couple of months. You know, Does that concern you greatly? Well, oh, it does. I wouldn't trust um, the government as far as I throw them. Like, I mean, back in these times, they had their Golfgate party with 
no social distancing, no masks, no nothing. Just business as usual for them. It was all brushed on their carpet. We had for Arker. Well, it was. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't completely. I mean, people did lose their lose their jobs over it. Yeah. Oh, they did, yeah. But like, just to say, Varakar was seen in a nightclub kissing the face of another man who was not his partner or his husband. So what I would say to that is, if he can't be faithful to his partner, how can he be faithful to his country? Uh, well, I mean, we, I, we, 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 we can't judge go. that on, on the basis of that. Can I can I take you back yeah. to the initial conversation? The, the the aspects of the nursing homes, Richie, does that, does that, is that paramount as far as you're concerned? Um, the notion that elderly people that there was a disregard for them to some degree I mean they were sent back from hospitals no, yeah. is, is that at the core man. of what an inquiry should be about it, it's the core of just about everything and our civil liberties how to our lost it, 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 there's a, so many questions there to be asked like I said the government are not the people for this you know um, they're just not the people for it after World War Two, we had Nuremberg trials and people were arrested in jail. We need something onto that kind of a system that people will be held accountable. They're not going to get away with a slap on the wrist, you know? I mean, the government pulled ivermectin, a drug, off the market that was used to treat COVID-19. It was pulled off the market. That's another question that needs to be asked. Why did they pull ivermectin off the market when it has been used in so many countries with massive success rate? And yet it was pulled here and there's only a couple of cents per tablet. There's an awful lot of questions to be asked, Brian, you know. Uh, but the, but is that not the other point, I mean, in terms of setting terms of reference for any inquiry? Because, it, you know, it depends on how broad they would make that inquiry. Because I'm sure what you're you describing to, to me there the lim- won't limits. be part of an inquiry, if you know no. what I mean, Richie. Yeah. Well, it limits the truth. It limits the truth. I think all, all factors should be left open and determined. You know, let, let be a, let, if there's only inquiry, let it be a full inquiry and let it be, like I said, on neutral grounds, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I only saw a clip of Pascal Dunn, who's um, interviewing yesterday evening on Gripped, and he's tried to absolve himself of, of wrongdoing, you know. Um, just saying, oh, we're following what every other country was doing, mm-hmm. you know. We don't have to be followers, we can be leaders also, you know. Um yeah, and, and do you have any sympathy? Do you have any sympathy for people though who were overwhelmed by information at the time, and 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 particularly, I think those pictures from Italy, Richie, really turned yeah. the tide. You know, the coffins and the the fact that they were overwhelmed with death there at the time. Yeah, yeah, like so much was happening at that time. Yeah. It's hard for just the ordinary person to keep up because the ordinary person was just keeping their head down mm. and minding their family. They, they didn't have time to think or to pause on what they're hearing, was it even true or not. We've had, you mean, the loads of people came out in, in support of um, mass uh, vaccination at the time. Mm. And there were so many people out there who said who got vaccinated when they didn't. Um, there were showing photographs and images and videos all around the world where people were getting <laughs> vaccinated with caps still on the syringe, no syringe at all. You mean, there was so many politicians never took it, you know? So we need to get them talking that because I only seen recently that there was 11,000 politicians exempt throughout Europe who did not have to take a COVID-19 vaccine. So that's something else that needs to come up. Why were some people told 
to take it and others got clear exemptions from fund so, vaccine. So it, it seems only the wealthy and the elite that yeah, got away it, it will without be, taking it. It will be very interesting, I'm sure you'll agree, mm. to hear the outcome of the UK inquiry mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. that, that will be an indicator, I suppose, of culpability and indeed who will pay a price or will there be a price or what the story will be? I don't think so. I, I honestly think Boris Johnson and his cohorts are not going to walk away. Do you think so? He's a Matt Hancock there. Matt Hancock, he got caught. You know, yeah. and he's going. To, he, he's walked away as well. Like He might have got the sack from the job, but he's still a wealthy man today and he's working yeah. out in other areas. You know, the, the, there were so many protests in the UK and against the vaccination programme and the people weren't listening to it. It's the same again in Ireland right now. The government are not listening to people again with people saying, look, we can't have any more um, undocumented persons coming into the country. And the government are not, still not listening. The, the doors are still wide open. They're, they're not closing yeah, well, the, the doors. The things like the about three or four weeks ago came out and spoke about capacity themselves. Do you know, them, themselves they spoke about capacity at the moment, so I, I, I don't They, they can speak about it, but until we see the borders closed, you know, it's business as usual for people coming in, and some of these people are coming in with two and three identities and getting two or three payments of um, of Dole, for instance. You know what I mean? That's just not on. We Ordinary people just can't do that. All right. Go back well, to the government. I just don't trust them. I well, just don't trust them. Have their own inquiry. All you right, know, Richie. Well, well, good good to talk to you today, Richie, and thanks for making time for me. Thank you, and uh, good morning Hi, to you. Thank you, Frank. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. 1800 the text and WhatsApp 83 Barb was on to say, I would like to see a totally independent inquiry into the way COVID was handled by the government and all the agencies involved. Um, imprisoning its citizens, introducing laws overnight as a carer myself and the way family carers were treated by the state and left to our own devices with no extra income. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie each Friday evening on Tip FM's Across the Line between 6 and 7, Barry Drake will join Paul Carroll to preview the weekly Greyhound racing cards at Clonmel and Thurless. We'll review the previous week's action from both tracks along with the fortunes of Tipperary owned and trained Greyhounds at major events across the country. Tip FM's Greyhound Update in association with Greyhound Racing Ireland. Because this runs deep. Employers, Clever Cards is the only Irish company where you can order digital MasterCards online. Instantly email digital Clever Cards to your employees or contractors. Anywhere, anytime means late delivery never arises. Clever Cards are saved in your mobile phone, so you always know your balance. Small and large businesses use Clever Cards because they are accepted everywhere. Online and in-store using Apple Pay or Google Pay contactlessly. First €1,000 tax-free order online now from CleverCards.com. Clever Cards MasterCards are issued pursuant to Clever Cards Interbank Agreement with MasterCard. E-money is accessed with Clevercard's MasterCards are safeguarded and regulated by the Central Bank under EU payment service regulations. Clevercard is certified by Apple Pay and Google Pay. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, Oliver Mohan here from Lahart Skoda. Your choice for Skoda for 241 in Tipperary. We have amazing low-rate finance offers available across all our cars, from our Kodiak, Karak and Kamik SUVs to the ever-popular Octavia and Superb, along with the all-electric Enyaq range. So now is the time to order your new Skoda for January and avoid disappointment.
segment. Check out our website at lahearts.ie, visit me for a test drive on the Powerstown Road in Clonmel, or call me on 052-6180-323. Finance is provided by way of higher purchase agreement from Volkswagen Financial Services Ireland Limited. Terms and conditions apply. Volkswagen Financial Services Ireland Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. What's your mulligans like this Christmas? Maybe it's the beauty hall with its world-famous cosmetics brands. Maybe it's the gallery with its luxury perfumes, candles and much more. And just maybe it's the pharmacy for all your health and wellness ideas. Still not sure? Then visit us at Cafe 1901. Relax with a hot drink and a mince pie and see what your mulligans is like. Wishing you a happy Christmas from Mulligan's Pharmacy at the Post House, Gladstone Street, Clonmel. Retail Excellence Ireland Pharmacy of the Year 2023. Great news. New TFI local link route 850 at Lone to Ross Grey makes travelling around Westmeath and Tipperary by bus even easier. Operating six daily return services seven days a week with an additional four daily return services to Thurless on Sunday. Route 850 provides improved connectivity to TUS campuses in Athlone and Thurless and to regional bus and rail services. Save up to 30% on fares when you pay using the TFI Leap Card. For more, visit local link This new route is brought to you as part of the Connecting Ireland Rural Mobility Plan. Look out for real value this Christmas at Bernie Super Value Ross Grey. Super Value Fresh Irish Round Roast is half price. Super Value Signature Christmas Cakes and Puddings are also half price. And 7-Up Pepsi and Club Orange 24-pack cans are only €10. Euro. For real value every day, it's got to be Bernie's Super Value Ross Grey. Taverns of Cashel celebrating the 8th of December, the traditional start of Christmas shopping, with 20 to 30% off leading labels. Max Mara, Morella, Ribkoff, Moss Mosh, Hilfiger, Gant, Paul and Shark, Super Dry and Farah, 20 to 30% off at Taverns of Cashel. Are you passionate about nursing care? Bluebird Care are looking for qualified nurses to support with both adult and pediatric care across Tipperary. Check out bluebirdcarecareers.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Yeah, listen, was on to say my 50-year-old sister dropped dead last year for no reason. Uh, the first thing the paramedics asked her husband was, did she have her vaccines? When he said yes and asked why they were inquiring, the paramedics said, we can't say any more. Well, to begin with, my condolences to you, 50 years of age, to pass away suddenly like that. Um, your last caller was on point, Fran. Uh, thank God for shows like yours where everybody from all sides of the fence can have a voice. 83 Now, there were heated exchanges in the Doyle yesterday during a debate on immigration. Um, a motion from the Rural Independence, uh, the leader of which is our temporary Matty McGrath, uh, says that Ireland should stop those who come to take advantage of our generosity as asylum tourists. Now, almost 12,000 international protection applicants have arrived here so far this year with 361 asylum seekers arriving last week. Here's what Social Democrats leader Holly Carnes had to say in the Doyle uh, yesterday. This motion is a disgrace. Point after point of dog whistles. I don't believe that the rural independents don't know exactly what they're doing here. You all know well that you're pandering to the far right, stoking up divisions, spreading fear and complete misinformation. And in doing so, putting a target on the backs of migrants and asylum seekers for the sake of a few votes. You should be ashamed of yourselves. The idea that a group 
would submit a motion on asylum seekers while failing to have a basic understanding of the process is astounding. The motion states that there is a lack of an objective mechanism to distinguish genuine, ungenuine, legal or illegal asylum seekers. Deputies, what do you think the International Protection Office does? The IP process is an objective determination, the terms of which are set out in the International Protection Act 2015. I'd suggest that you read it. There are a lot of real problems in the system, and instead of debating those issues today, we are debating absolute nonsense. Sock Dems leader Holly Carnes there. Uh, here's the reply from Tipperary's Matty McGrath. And for people like that are here now who have to be go out on national radio and incite uh, violence against us, accusing us of causing the riots in Dublin in some, in some twisted, warped, uh, pernicious way. It's shameful. It's despicable. And as I said, I won't say too much about it, but uh, Deputy Cairns then, of course, again, the, the latter-day latter saviour latter savior of, of the planet. And she doesn't know the difference between a greyhound and an usher. She didn't read our motion. Now, neither did most of the people that spoke here. And I don't know, did you either, Minister? And the government, and they're telling here, do you know, we had no quorum here, Concola, for the first hour of this debate this morning. And that tells it all about this debate. Not one backbencher, not one government minister came in to support you. And I say this, I laid the blame at the and, and your Minister Ryan, but he's copped on someplace else, or copped off, and he, you know what he is, and, and we know what he is. Not one of them, not one backbencher. So what's wrong? This silence, this suppression, and by the media, especially RTE, the paid people by this government who want to get 56 million now after all the shenanigans and short trials that went on the last six months with their organisation, state-led broadcasting. My God, couldn't be as good under Stalin. But, and in the so-called freedom of the world, they can cause matches and cause rights themselves ever. Take Deputy Murphy and the remarks he made here about me last week. The Count Corley did stop him and uh, tried to stop him. Again, accusing me. We're elected by the people of Tipperary, Kerry, uh, Offaly, and indeed uh, West Cork, Ayrcocky, uh, and indeed um, Limerick, which I don't know who is, 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 is known able to be here for, for medical reasons uh, today. So we have a right to speak in this chamber. And I thank the Count Cola and the officials and all for allowing us to write and, and speak and raise issues. But to say those debates, there hasn't been a debate. I've been seeking, and the Count Cola can confirm this, for months and months and months for a debate. And that's uh, Tipperary's Matty McGrath speaking there in the Doyle Chamber yesterday. Now, Tip Today listener John joins me now. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Fran. How are you doing? I'm doing good, John. The Rural Independence uh, Group, they're getting a lot of critique, accused of stoking t t tensions and uh, the like. I'm wondering, what, what's your reaction to that, John? Um, I actually think yesterday was a bad day for democracy, to be honest, Fran. Um, as Matty McGrath said, like there wasn't even a quorum there for mm. the first hour of the debate and you know this is an issue that everyone is talking about as far as I can make out I, I think it's the biggest issue in the country yeah. at this point I would think so and basically to have no one talking about it in the doll I thought was actually thought it was a disgrace to be honest because you know we go back a few years in this country and we talk about the um, all the industrial schools and all the mm. bad stuff that went on mm. and people said everyone knew about it but no one talked about it and are we going back to that scenario again? And like do, do, do you think we are, John? Um, well, it certainly seems to be the case with the, the mass media, anyway. And, um, like, Tip FM is a very good, I have to give Tip FM and local radios a lot of kind of credit. But the mainstream media, RTE, you know, they're just doing, 
they're not actually listening to people at all. It's just kind of echo chamber. Like yesterday, did all we had Holly Cairns, Adon O'Reilly, and Paul Murphy sitting beside each other, mm. basically go against Matthew McGrath, mm. the Healy Ray. Well, in in other words, John, the government didn't have to say anything because the opposition were, were doing their job, I suppose. There was no government, yeah. basically. They did, they're just washing their hands of this, basically. They're letting everything happen without doing anything about it, which is quite shocking. Like, to be honest, as, just a, as an ordinary citizen, like, and I hate this thing, it's always kind of lobbed at everyone who brings up any objection to this, of being far right and this kind of thing. It's just nonsense. Like, if these are just ordinary issues that people are bringing up day to day, mothers and fathers, parents all over the country, they can see this as an issue but yet they're not allowed to discuss it. Did I get and the impression yesterday, John, that Sinn Féin are pulling back a little bit on their stance where this is concerned and maybe acknowledging the issue that's right. out there? Well, I think Pat Daly kind of said yesterday that um, there was issues which kind of, obviously a lot of people making a lot of money out of it and stuff mm. like that. Mm. But I actually think he's, he might be directing that at Michael Healy Ray down mm. in Kerry rather, yeah. than any, rather than anyone else because I, I've seen no evidence anywhere else of any Sinn Féin TDs kind of basically reflecting what the majority of their, well, I'm not going to say the majority, reflecting what a lot of their voters are kind of thinking. Like, yeah. I live in a kind of, what, what you call a working-class area, Dublin, mm. and it's a big issue where we are because we have a huge amount of um, bypass, whatever you call it, refugee centres in our area, probably about 3,000 people, mm. I'd say, at a guess. And, and how is that working uh, out, John? Um, well, it's, it's putting massive pressure on all services here. Mm. And obviously it's making some, the owners of these hotels and guest houses, very wealthy people. Because I, I did a quick kind of, um, I wanted them, I did a quick kind of um, estimate of the cost they're getting per day mm. for per person. And just for the accommodation, like they're getting 85 euros a day per person, even if there's two or three people in the room. Which is great oh. money, you know. Like that's a that's and, a great business. And they they'd hold roughly how many people? How many people are we talking about? Um, seven, eight hundred. Wow, that's a lot. Huge of money. That's You're lot talking of money. over two million a month. Wow. You know, the the sums are staggering. But like we can see it here, where I live in Dublin, there is a huge number of these kind of accommodation places, and it's putting massive pressure on. Services of the area, and is that a mixture? Is that a mixture of Ukrainian people and asylum seekers as well? Is that a, a mix there? John? It's it's a mix, but I would imagine it's probably more asylum seekers. Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah like I know these schools, there is a lot of Ukrainians going to some of the schools around here. Yes, but they're kind of in some schools. There's not in other schools. If you know what I mean. But well, you, you, you describe your area as a working class. I mean, we hear very little of these centres in Fox Rock and in, no, in Dublin 4. Or... There's, you never see them. Like, my um, other, a lot of relations live in the posher parts of Dublin. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing there. Nothing. Nothing. Like, you go there, they don't have any centres, they don't have anything like that. Mm. Or we have loads of them here. And do you area. feel that sometimes the voices that we hear are from these areas and it's easy for them to talk. Is that is that well, is there an absolutely. element of truth in that? There's certainly an element of truth. It's like some people are very ideologically driven. 
the likes of Paul Murphy. Mm. So he's always going to be kind of bringing basically a, like he is an open door policy of migration. That's fair mm. enough. He mm. says what it is. Mm. There's no doubt about it. But some of the others, you know, like it's very easy to say, oh, well, I welcome everyone. But mm. they're actually not going to be actually living in my area. Yeah. That kind of thing. And I, you know, like as I said, where I live, I'd say we probably have about 3,000 people, I'd say. That's a lot. I know Killarney has a lot of people as well. Yeah, Killar- Claire, Killarney really has a lot because I'm there an awful lot. I'm there about every second week or so and really yeah. a lot of people, in, in extra people in Killarney, that's for sure. There's, yeah. there, there's a huge amount and it's mm. even a knock-on repercussions of that, Fran. Like we, have a, we have a lot of hotels in this area which mm. we used to get a lot of business yeah. from. Had, you know, people would walk around and they'd go to local coffee shops, spend a few bob in the shops. But that's all gone now. Is it? Because these hotels are no longer operating as hotels. Right. So that's a kind of impact on, you know, kind of kids maybe who would actually work in these kind of coffee shops and mm, yeah. the owners of coffee shops themselves. And like there's people making huge money out of this. There's no doubt about it. But it's destroying but other elements of business, is it? It is. And I was on to my local TV here. It's yeah. a couple of, we have a couple of Sinn Féin TVs here. Mm. And... I was basically giving out basically like you know we have all this and there's nothing no services and mm. I got a kind of bit of a waffly answer back mm. about oh yeah we we're trying to get some get extra money in and all this and they didn't they mentioned oh we got significant funding some integration fund for the local GA club mm. I was kind of going what because I remember the local GA club so I didn't see any money coming through that kind of thing so you know, and uh, can I ask you, would you be a Sinn Féin supporter, John, for example? I may have in the past supported them, but I certainly wouldn't be supporting them now. And and is that particularly because of their stance on this issue, John? No, not no. particularly. Right, I think okay. they've gotten very, um, they've gotten very kind of uh, woke, shall we say. Well, they're moving that to the centre, I suppose, in terms of the appeal, uh, the, well, more general appeal. Is that is that point? possibly? I would like. I would have supported several different parties over the year. I would have yeah. taken every kind of election as it, as it comes. But the, the biggest problem I'm going to have is in the next election because like you're kind of lucky enough down in Tippy have people to support mm. who would kind of basically reflect what people are thinking. But up in in my constituency I have two Sinn Féin TDs, a people for profit T D and mm. a Fina Gael T D and None of those are reflecting. So I guess a lot of local people then would feel disenfranchised in some way, would they, John? I mean, if they're yeah. looking for somebody who would represent their concerns. Absolutely. People are absolutely disenfranchised by the whole system. And that's that's going to be a major issue because you have a European elections next year. Yeah. And, uh, who, like, who knows what's going to come out of it is, is the honest answer. Yeah, it's a very interesting point you're making, really, that there isn't a party there that represents a certain cohort, actually yeah. a very large cohort of people when you think about it. Like these are, like we're just ordinary people. Like I'm a parent, that's what I mainly am. Yeah. And, you know, like there's some, like to carry on a few weeks ago in Dublin was a disgrace. Obviously, everyone knows that. Yeah. But you're not, there's no, there's no reflection of these people's view. And I thought yesterday in the Dáil was very poor the lack of engagement by the main parties in the kind of uh, motion brought forward by the rural independents, that just struck me as lack of democracy. We're not going to talk about it. Like, where have we heard that before, Fran? 
we're not going to talk about it, we're going to brush it under the carpet. And what happened with that in the past was a disaster for loads of people who were involved in it. Yeah, um, Holly Kearns as well, she was particularly scathing, almost lampooning the the rural independence. You know, seeing they were almost being portrayed as being buffoons. And Absolutely. I, I thought her behaviour was outrageous. And one of the things she was going on about was say, talking about an information vacuum that's given rise to these concerns. She's, she's the exact person that's actually advocating for no information to be given out to people because we don't want to talk about it. So you can't actually go and say there's an information vacuum and then kind of refuse to discuss the issue, which seems to be happening a lot. And what about her point, just just finally, because I'm running out of time, John, but it's so interesting yeah. talking to you. Um, what about her point of stoking tensions by discussing that's, this? That's absolute nonsense. Like these, This has been discussed by everyone in the country, from school children upwards. And if you don't discuss it, nature of horror is a vacuum. So what's going to happen? People are going to get more and more frustrated yeah. and they'll end up, you know, just basically taking it out in the uh, political class next year when the elections come. That's an interesting one. John, it was fascinating yeah. to talk to you today. Get to, to get your insight of living in Dublin and feeling there's nobody there to represent you yeah. and, and people Absolutely like you. Absolutely not. Yeah. Interesting. Got, Sorry, John. That's the great thing about Tip FM. You kind of reflect a lot of different viewpoints, which is great to hear. And like, I have to commend you for it because there's so much, like, there's so much of RT is just one way street. You know, so well done, Tip FM. Well, you're very kind. John, thanks very much indeed. Lovely to And happy Christmas, okay. by the way, John. Thank you. Happy Happy Bye bye, Janelle. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today, 1800 <laughs> It's Christmas in Thurlis. It's Christmas and Thurlis and all this week uh, by way of celebration of the fact that uh, Christmas shopping is hopping in uh, Thurlis. We're giving away 50 euro vouchers every day. Today we have two for Salmon's Pharmacy Liberty Square and for Supermax, uh, Supermax even, on Liberty Square in Thurlis as well. So there's your cute text and WhatsApp 083 You know the story. Give us your details and if you want to put Thurlis at the end of your contribution, we will pop you in the draw. One of our listeners, um, in fact a couple of listeners, concerned about the, the social welfare offices and uh, them being able to ensure that only one payment per person happens. I, I, I'm not sure what, the, what what are your concerns around I'm just I, I'm just not sure what your concerns are because this person goes on to say working people are held to account with revenue. Uh, somebody from social welfare should clarify the work practice. So what is your concern that maybe people are out there and getting um, a number of, of payments. Is that is that what it is? Uh, listening to Fran, maybe you need a person like uh, Nigel, uh, Nigel Farage in Ireland. Uh, be careful, be careful what you wish for and uh, where that's concerned because a lot of people are very unhappy 
in Britain with uh, Brexit. So there you go. Um, somebody else uh, saying, so many Tipperary people living in Dublin now listening to Fran as people can have their say. Well, I'm delighted to hear that. And we're always delighted to hear from people outside of uh, the county uh, tuned our way. 083-311-3311. Now, the idea of the MMA fighter, Conor McGregor, uh, running for the presidency was treated as a bit of a joke at first, but it seems to be gaining momentum. Uh, whether or not he will run remains to be seen, I suppose, and if indeed he is actually serious about running. But Russell Brand uh, spoke about it yesterday, so it's, it's making international headlines. And here's a, a little of what he had to say about that. What peculiar permutations there are with Conor McGregor outlining a route to the presidency. Something that a month ago would have seemed ridiculous now seems entirely plausible. Conor McGregor has outlined his potential route to becoming the president of Ireland, saying, I'd fancy my chances. Already a kind of political rhetoric that will be a relief for some people to hear. I'd fancy my chances. McGregor is reportedly being investigated by Irish police over his social media posts around the Dublin riots in late November. He himself is being scrutinised even prior to this legislation being introduced. All he said is, I think, well, you let me know in the chat in the comments, what do you think about Conor McGregor's social media posts? My interpretation is he's concerned about migration in Ireland, he's concerned about the violence that's taken place recently in Ireland, he's concerned about the lack of conversation around migration, and beneath that, and this is my own analysis, I'm not claiming to speak for Conor McGregor, he's probably concerned about a political class that no longer represents the people they were elected to represent. And as we pointed out in an earlier video, in a country like Ireland, that is going to be particularly problematic because ethno-nationalism is a real part of Ireland's history, perhaps every nation's history, but Ireland is a country that's been historically oppressed by Britain and their relationship to national pride is more understandable than most nations' relationship to national pride. Even though I would say that we're all entitled to have a degree of national pride or tribal instinct, my hope is that is a very inclusive and open-hearted thing, but these are interesting times. But the former UFC champion has expressed confidence in taking up a position of power in his home country. Let's have a look at Conor McGregor's post. Potential competition if I run. Jerry, 78. Bertie, 75. Ender, 74. First names only. Each with unbreakable ties to their individual party's politics. Curious that already Conor McGregor, in my view, has identified one of the dominant themes and problems in contemporary politics. It has become institutional and systematic. And that's Russell Brand speaking about the possibility of Conor McGregor running for the presidency. Now, I, I'd say that there's very little chance of that because in terms of the eligibility for election, you need at least 20 members of the Oireachtas and at least four local, or indeed, I beg your pardon, or at least four local authorities uh, to support you as well. So I couldn't see that happening really. But anyway, that notion of McGregor for presidency, how do you feel about that? Um, we received news that the Munster Hotel car park in Thurles has to cease operating as a public car park from December the 10th. Now, Councillor Jim Ryan has been vocal about this on his uh, social media uh, platforms and he joins me now. Jim, good morning to you. Good morning, Fan. And good to talk to you today, Jim. Well, what, what's the background to this, Jim? Um, yes, it's in relation to the Munster Hotel car park in Turles. Um, Just for people outside of Surrey, that's opposite the cathedral there, isn't in it? In Cathedral Just, Street yeah, in Turles yeah. there, at the, at the rear of the old Munster Hotel car park. So, mm. God, for, for a long time now, I, I wouldn't be exactly sure how many years, but definitely between 10 and 15 years, if not more, um, the county, Tipperary County Council and previous to that, Turles Town Council um, have been renting that car park from the owner, um, paying rent for that every year. 
and there's just under 100 car parking spaces in that car park. And we received an email from the County Council two days ago stating that uh, from December the 10th that the council will no longer be able to use the car park, uh, that the owner had, had issued a, a legal letter to them asking to vacate the car park uh, in, in the Mount Hotel car park because um, there was a difference in opinion as regards what rent should be paid on it going forward. And there hasn't been any progress up to now in relation to coming up with an agreed and acceptable rent for both parties. Why is it important, uh, Jim? I could imagine around mass time and uh, the like are for funerals, but it's it's outside of the the shopping area, I suppose. It is, but it's not too far away from the town centre. And as, as far as I'm concerned, it's a vital um, car park for tourists. Uh, when the new Liberty Square was um, renovated, yeah. uh, a lot of car parking spaces was removed from the town centre on the basis that we have quite a lot of uh, public car parks in around Liberty Square, including this, this car park at the Munster Hotel. Um, so, as you said, it does serve the cathedral. Obviously, there's daily masses, there's mm. funerals, weddings, etc. Mm. But there is a lot of business around there. There's a pharmacy, there's a hardware stores, there's yes. fast food outlets, barbers, cleaners, you name it, um, and other businesses around there as well that obviously make use of that car park. Customers go in there, park in there, it's very convenient. And mm. You know, it's, it's a shock to all those businesses. It's a shock to the councillors when we got notification. And, you know, since I put it up on Facebook, there has been a lot of anger in relation to it. But what my concern is that at school time, morning and after school finishes in the evening, a lot of the local school school um, buses park in that car park. Um, it's a safe place for, for children to get off and get on the bus. It takes these buses off the main streets mm. from parking and causing traffic jams and I'd be hugely concerned going forward as regards where these uh, buses are going, are going to park going forward that's not going to cause any traffic chaos. Yeah, when, whenever I pass there, Jim, I mean, the street parking is always full there. There's there's, yeah. there's really, rarely car parking space there and it's it's narrow at certain points there as well. So, uh, yeah. uh, what happened? I mean, why did negotiations fall down on this? Surely the... <laughs> friend I, I've obviously you know I've spoken to the county council I've spoken to the owner of the hotel um, and in fairness to the owner um, after I spoke to him yesterday he agreed to extend the period from closure from the 10th of December until the 10th of February you know to allow the car park to remain open over the, the busy Christmas period and also obviously to allow more time for both parties to sit down and come up with some sort of agreement um, but why it has broken down is simply there has been a difference of opinion and a difference of valuations as regards what the correct and current value of renting the car park and spaces in the Munster Hotel is. So obviously the owner has the, the owner has one valuation and the council have another and there's a big gap. All right. And has the authority given any indication of an alternative to this? Or can there be an alternative mm. to this, Jim? No. There's no alternative we're going to lose those spaces. So 100, um, 100 spaces down? Just, just, yeah, yeah, just under, under 100 car parking spaces. Now, you know, in fairness to the Tipperary County Council, um, it, it is a loss-making car park. Um, it is costing more money to rent than the income coming in and parking charges. And the council know that, and we know that as councillors, but we want to keep that car park open for, as a, you know, we're providing a service to the public to, to park their cars and for the business people to have customers parking there. So... You know, even though it's a loss-making car park, um, you know, we still need it. It's vital. And 
in terms of the council, mm. they know that, and they have been, you know, even though it has been operating at a loss, they have been leasing it because they know the importance of having a hundred car parking space in terms. Right. But but according to information you've obtained now, we're, we're, the the tenth of December is no longer the cutoff date, is it? No, I, I spoke to the owner yesterday, and he agreed to him to extend it from the 10th of December to the 10th of February. Um, he appreciates that we have a busy Christmas coming up. That business depend on, on people coming in and parking and doing, doing their trade in Torles. Um And also he accepts that a bit more time may be needed um, to maybe sit down and come up with some sort of agreement. But I, I would ask both parties, that's the owner and Tipperary County Council, you know, to get back to the negotiating table and you know, sort this out and, you know, that hopefully there's some sort of middle ground that both parties are going to be happy with. But, you know, as, as a public representative in Torlis, I would not like to see 100 car parking spaces being lost to the town and we should be creating more parking spaces, not taking them away. And, you know, I'd be just fearful if this car park does not reopen as a public car park, you know, that the chaos that's going to cause and the safety concerns for, you know, for the school children. And obviously the inconvenience and the loss of trade potentially for businesses around the area as well when, when people won't be able to park close to the business. All right, uh, Jim, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Good okay. morning. Thank Good morning to you. This Council Jim Ryan speaking to us from Thurnus. Well, let's go to the man in question. The owner of the car park is Martin Healy. And Martin joins me now. Good morning to you, Martin. Good morning, Fran, and good morning to your listeners. And look, we really appreciate you coming on with us uh, this morning, Martin. From from your point of view, what what's the story here? Well, as I said, there's two sides to every story, and uh, thank Jim Ryan there for getting involved, and he's always a town at heart. Um, it wouldn't, it's, it's not coming down to, to, to money. Basically, as Jim said there, it's a loss-making car park for the council in the cost of, of uh, keeping it. But um, it's, it's about... Um, the problem with the car park is that it's not getting day-to-day people parking for two hours and paying for it. It's really used for the schools. It's a facility. And at the meeting, that was my point to the committee. It's run by an executive committee and the roads. Mm. And the really, you'd have to be living in the town to understand how important that car park is. And basically, there's no lease in place. I wanted to get a lease in place, and I wanted to get... Um, to get it brought up to date. When they originally moved in, it was perfectly lined. It was um, in, in a good condition. Um, it had borders with shrubs and whatever, and it has um, it has deteriorated over time. And did you so do that initial work, Martin? Um, that initial work was done when when I bought the car bought park, it, okay. but over time yeah. it has it has, and that's what my argument was. I wanted the car park to be to be um, uh, uh, rejuvenated, and I wanted an electric um, vehicle. Um, installed, which I have negotiated with DSB, and are willing to do it. And that's what my negotiations were were around rent. Uh, the price of rent hadn't come into it. I had to take pictures and show the show the committee and and the roads how much it is being used for schools. People don't really understand it unless you're travelling into town every morning. Mm. And, uh, and, Just and, help us to fully understand what the story is then, Martin. So you, you rent this to the local authority, is that it? But they're not... The very first day, it's a, nominal, it's a nominal fee. I'm not in it to make money out of it. It's given a service, and I do mm. understand 
is given a service to the town and I want to continue giving the right. service to the town. But the council told me it's not paying, it's not paying to keep it open. Right. And unless they continue renting it, I can't leave it open of with insurance. Course. But, but again, I just want clarity on it, Martin. So in other words, what they're saying is the money they're paying you, they're not making that back on the car park. Is that, is that kind of it? That, that's kind of, that's it. And my my fee is a very normal, it's, a very, yes. it, 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 it's about 50% less than they would pay in Nina or Clonmel right. or other car parks. And have they an obligation to keep it up to a certain standard in terms of, as you say? Yes. 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 And have yes. they failed? I mean, have they failed on that have, obligation? Yes, I, I, I think they have. And the public would think, uh, would, think would, would, would um, uh, share my opinion on mm. it. But it is a cathedral town. It's right across from the cathedral. Of course. It's not, I keep telling them, it's not about money. They're doing the... The, the council are doing the best they can, um, uh, but it's not about it's not about what the car park makes. It's the facility it gives. Mm. I mean, they took in two point eight million in parking fees last year. You have to have losers and winners. If the Munster car park isn't paying its way, I suggest to give free parking at the back of it there for people for long for office people or all day parking, and we would free up. There's, you know, we should widen and and step back and look at the big picture. Of the benefit that can be to the town. Give free parking at the back of the car park. Let the buses park. Um, there's there's two or three shops around there, and it's a lifeline for them. Mm. Who who has jurisdiction over the public liability there, for instance? Do you pay the insurance? It's, it's, or the, ro- it's the roads. It's it's the roads would. It's the roads committee. Um, it would be part of the roads and the council. All the, all the councillors would be very concerned, and they would all want it kept open, and the public would want it kept open, and I would want to keep it open. But mm. it has to be explained that it, it probably will never make money. <laughs> Believe it or not, the highest revenue in it is when there's no parking attendant around. So that's mass time. Mm. People going to mass mm. pay, believe it or not, Yes, pay the fees. Right. And, um, and, and just to, the, the 2.8 million, is that what, what it generated? Is that is that what you said? No, no sorry. 2.8 million is generated in the whole county. Oh, the whole, oh, right. It was on, it was on, um, yeah, it was, it, it, it's out. And the point I mean, and the, the Monster Carp may be a loss maker, but it's not about what it makes. It's the, it's the, it's what it right. gives the town. Right. So, Martin, are you basically playing hardball with them? You're saying you're going no, to... I'm not. No. no. My negotiation... I'm not playing hardball by any. What I want is the car park brought up to a, a standard, like all mm. car parks in the town or in the county. But, but that all any... seems reasonable to me, Martin. So why yeah. why are they pulling the plug? Um, the reason is, I, I made... Uh, to, to, bring it, to bring it to a head, I said, if it's not making money... And you don't see any need for it. Sure, then we we close it. What is the point in talking about it? Right. That's not a problem, I said. But I said, you know, I brought, I put a lot of work into this. As in, I have photographic evidence. I I've done my research on it. I push mm. it to them in all different. That it's not about the revenue that that car park brings in. It's what it gives to the town. And I showed them options. Mm. Now I didn't want it to come to this. I didn't bring it to light. I've never said anything but I have to defend my position. Yes, of course, yeah, and we're delighted to give you a platform to, to, to do that as well. But are you telling me, Martin, that you're a reasonable man and you're open to them coming back to you? And... Course, sorry, I've always... I've, yes. I'm sorry, the very first day, I've been a very, very reasonable... I give it. I have given it to him at a very reasonable... Uh, uh, just to co- just to, uh, to cover things, to have it... You know, I've given him very, very reasonable uh, all along, and I've always been open. Mm. I've offered him loads of... Uh, <laughs> to see... 
And the negotiations I wanted to, to allow the the Mary I, the new college, come through the car park, give yes. them access to the car park. The council also have land adjoining me. And I offered them free of charge. They could come through the car park, um, um, use that as their entrance. Like, so I've been open to, to lots of, 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 um, of offers to them, but I've been just told that it doesn't create enough revenue. And I'm reiterating this and um, bringing it up all the time. Yeah. It actually is not about the revenue the car park brings okay. in. It's the facility it gives to the Ursuline, the presentation, and the cathedral, as in the cathedral of town. And, and Jim is right. We're, we're wondering where the buses would go if they didn't have that uh, that uh, facility. Well, I will, always allow the, I will always allow the buses and the school and, and that in. I will always allow, I'll always allow, I will always allow that in. Right. I mean, it's just that there has to be uh, a line drawn in the sand. I mean, okay. it has to be. The, the only thing that strikes me about it, Martin, is inevitably, is it that's not temporary, temporary to some degree anyway? Because, I mean, I presume the hotel is going to be developed at some stage or that site is going yes. to be developed. Yes, no, it will be developed, but there will always be, there will, there's enough parking space at the back of the hotel as well. There will always be uh, room for a for hundred spaces allowed okay. for the public and for the... Uh, 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 for right. the, uh, the local but you take match any of the matches it's it's amazing to see it's the first car park that fills up yes because it's walk, easy to get like out to, of of course yeah no they like walking through the town we don't okay. realise that I, I've asked they like walking and doing a bit of shopping and oh, having right. a yeah. few drinks and, and, and getting food through the town they like coming in their parking and we think it's a long way from the stadium but for them it's a day out yeah. and there's festivals in the town during the summer. There's something on every week. We might even know they're on, and the car park fills up. It's a facility there. All right. All right. So, so you're putting it out park. there to the local authority. Look, we need to knock heads together on this and come to some agreement. Would, would that sum yeah, look, it up? I'm very, look, I'm, look, I'm not. I didn't want to come on the air. I just had to defend my yeah. position. Yeah. That it's not. It's not about money. It's about a facility. It's about giving a facility to the town. It's about even giving free parking. If it's not in use, why not let the council give free parking at the back of it for Christmas and all year round to office workers? Or just a euro a day to cover to cover themselves hmm. and let them park there and relieve parking in the, in the main town and relieve parking in the other parking facilities. And people walk oh. in, walk to up to 100 yards to work. And I, I think that's a very logical solution to the, the problem. All right, well, let's let's see where, where, where it goes. What can you tell me about the development there? Any any talk of that, Martin? It, it, it's in planning at the moment, and I can't... It's back, it's back in planning at the moment, so I, I couldn't comment on it. All right, OK. But can we expect something happening there? You can, the... yes. All right. Okay. Martin, look after yourself and thank you. Thank you. Good morning to you. That's Martin Healy there speaking to us as the owner of the that uh, site there, including the uh, car park. 1800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Hello to the Kilkenny man who has joined our family of uh, listeners. Very complimentary about the show as well. Uh, thank you so much indeed for that. Uh, 083 311 Now, I was speaking to Louise Morgan Walsh earlier on the programme. There's been calls on social media to have a mural um, in Nina to pay tribute to the late, great Shane McGowan. And uh, I'm glad to be joined now by Brendan Murphy. And Brendan is a Peace Commissioner and Community Activist in the town. Uh, good morning to you, Brendan. 
Good morning, Fran. How are you? Uh, and very well indeed. Um, it, it, this sounds like a fantastic idea. It has to happen, Brendan. I think so. Like the, I, I've just seen a couple of calls on, on social media for uh, for something to be put in place. Mm. And I think when the time is right, um, you know, it should be considered by the local authorities to do something. You know, I just posed the question afterwards why something like this hasn't been done already and why we don't celebrate people while they're still alive, I suppose, you know, so that they can see it as well and acknowledge that the support they have from the community. Of course, but it is fair to say, Brendan, is it not, that, I mean, we always knew about the link between Tipperary and Shane McGowan, but it's only since he passed away we realised how, you know, how much it was at his core to be from Tipperary. Absolutely, and you'd wonder why that is, like, you know, and it, it's sad that, you know, I suppose we, we, we realise it now more than before, um, mm. and I suppose we should be picking up on this, and we should be looking around at the talents of people that we do have um, from Nina and from, from every community and see how we can pay a tribute to them um, in an appropriate way. Mm. Um, but certainly, I think for Shane McGowan, there should have been something maybe put in place before now, and it's only now we kind of realise it and we're, mm. you know, we're, we we definitely think we, it should have been put in place, you know. Yeah, some of this is probably down to Shane's personality because whenever he did visit Tipperary, it was always low-key. He wanted to be one of the lads. There was no question of this superstar genius songwriter appearing before into our community. Do you, do you know what I mean? He he wanted it to be low-key, Brendan. Yeah, and I suppose that that was one nice thing about him. I, I didn't know him personally myself, but from the the tributes paid to him online, and that he he seemed to he he liked that low key. Mm. He liked mixing with people. He enjoyed people's company, and um, you know, to, to the massive quality that he that he had, uh, mm. absolutely. Yeah, there will be. A need. I mean, he has such a devoted fan base right around the world. There will be a need for, I would imagine, some place that people can come to. To I I I don't know some sort of an information centre about him maybe some sort of a place that that would pay homage to him in some way. To will and I think people far and wide will will expect it. Um, since he had that strong connection with Nina and he spent so much time here and he'd call it his hometown really. Mm. Um, people will expect some sort of um, I suppose a tribute or or like you say an information centre or something. Um, because I suppose we didn't realise um how how famous and popular he was worldwide, but uh, you know the fact is he he was. Mm. Where would you see the mural going, by the way? Have you any ideas on, on this, Brendan? There's been a few suggestions, all right, but personally I haven't uh, I haven't given it much thought where to be placed, but um, mm. I think in the centre of town somewhere yes. um, would certainly be good because, you know, that's where he spent most of his time in the heart of... I don't know if Philly Ryan would put, would put a mural up there at the side of the, the public house, but <laughs> I'm sure Shane wouldn't disagree with that. I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't, <laughs> indeed. Louise was talking about that lovely artistic centre there, you know, around the art centre itself and... Uh, uh, the jail and stuff, but I, I'm not sure if there's a if there's a suitable place for a mural there. Um. Yeah, I'm not too sure. And and again, you wouldn't want it somewhere that that seems hidden away. You want it True. in the public view and somewhere that we're passing that we kind of acknowledge it and you know and we see it and be proud of it. Yes, of course, and a quality piece too. It would have to be a quality piece, wouldn't it? Absolutely, and mm. you couldn't but admire the piece um, that's on Wolfstone Terrace there of Max Ingram. You know, fantastic, so. yeah. Yeah. tasteful and nice and when you pass it you know you, you can't but admire it you know yes okay um, when, I mean t- taking into account good taste when do you think this should happen Brendan I think when the time is right people will know I suppose that you know he's, he's funeral is tomorrow so you know and uh, I suppose the family would have to be um, 
just have to discuss with the family yes, to make course. sure they're okay of with it course, too. So, yeah. uh, but in due course, uh, if if the suggestion is taken up by the local authorities, it should be followed through. Mm. Um, and I think it would be very fitting. All right, very good indeed. Brendan, good to talk to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Thanks, Brendan. Good morning morning to you. That's Brendan Murphy there. Brendan is a a Peace Commissioner in Nina and, of course, a community activist indeed. Um, One of our listeners uh, telling me that there's a big hold-up on the motorway between Limerick and Nina. All the traffic is held up and I'm stuck in the middle, says Rita Ryan. Hello, Rita. How are you? And I'm sorry to hear it. And uh, we'll see if we can find out some more information on that. Fran, will you ask people to turn off the fog lamps if there's no fog. They're blinding people out there. Uh, that's it. it. was on 083 311 If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. TIP FM's TIP Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Maria was on to us to say miles and miles of uh, traffic holdups in Limerick, Fran. The message is accident ahead uh, just as you come off the Bally Simon Road for UL. I'm here for an hour already so obviously there's a there's major hold-ups uh, around uh, Limerick. I hope it's not more tragedy on our roads. God knows we've had enough of it uh, this year. Glad to be joined now by Nina Councillor Shamie Morris. Good morning to you, Shamie. Good morning, Fran. Good to talk to you. I know you have some information for us on Shane's funeral tomorrow, but first of all, can I ask you, because I was talking to Louise Morgan Walsh uh, earlier on, did you jump on the bandwagon about the mural? Fran, it'd be very hard for me to jump on a bandwagon when I didn't know there was a bandwagon happening. Um, unfortunately, uh, Louise childishly has been has be, um, blocked on social media. And um, if I remember rightly, Fran, we had a, a, a tip of end debate before the last election. And Louise forgot she was a hospital, uh, an election candidate and became a hospital manager and called uh, elderly people on, on trolleys uh, bedbackers. And I rightfully pulled her up on it. And uh, Louise hasn't spoken to me since. So I didn't know there was a bandwagon happening, Fran. So I, I do. I take I take issue with that now, and mm. but I don't want Shane McGowan's funeral to be to be at the centre of a of a silly row between someone who who wants murals in the town and two mm. uh, two people who want the same thing actually. Mm. Uh, but if Louise had her homework done, she'd know that um, the council themselves have rules and regulations about putting murals up. I've been calling for murals in the town for years, and I think there's something the council have taken on, and. You know, you do these things in, in a council meeting, you work with the council in these things. It takes years to, to get these things over the line. Uh, if the Labour Party want me to, I'd be very happy uh, to take the heat out of this. When the most important thing is the, is the McGowan family, I will uh, uh, withdraw my motion to the council, allow Fiona Banfield, uh, the Labour um, councillor, to, to, to put the name on the motion because we have to work with the motion. I mean, come here, the, mo- the, the, the mural may not be in Nina, Frank. Mm. I mean, I just mm. uh, picking a place to create a debate. The mural might be in Kearney, could be yeah. in Puckon, yeah. it could be in, yeah. in the Silver Mine. So I create a debate here, and that's what politicians do, Frank. Yeah, yeah. And I think everybody is in agreement that Shane should be honoured in North Tipperary and, you know, however that works. But there you go. As you say, we don't want the discussion to be mired by, by, by stuff like that. Uh, Would you tell me the... the um... Sorry, Fran. One, one other thing. The other thing is that the, 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 the family themselves, you know, have to be consulted with it. But I have spoken to the family on this, so the family themselves should have a, should have a part of this as well. Right, OK. What about uh, the funeral arrangements for tomorrow? What can you tell us on that, Jamie? 
Uh, well, the the funeral mass is taking place in St Mary's Church uh, at 3.30. Um, uh, look, I'm expecting a huge crowd to be in town yeah. uh, on Friday. And I want to thank the council staff. I want to thank uh, everybody that's been involved in putting uh, a traffic management plan in place of getting parked. And I want to thank Aero for putting their, their car park facilities in place. Uh, Lidl, the same. There's been an awful lot of work going on in the background. And, of course, the council, or the council and all those people working in the background couldn't put a plan in place until we knew what time the funeral was on. Yes. That, that only happened in the last day or so. Yeah. So, yeah, the Mass is at 3.30, uh, which should, there will be a procession then. Uh, the funeral cortege will move uh, down through Nina Town from Church Road to the Market Cross where people will be able to pay their respects along the way. Uh, because of that then, there will be traffic restrictions obviously in the town and there is mm. going to be a small bit of pain, but I want people to, to, to be very patient mm. with what's going on here. We're, we're honouring uh, what is a, a world-known world, a world known icon and we're very proud that, that Shane McGowan, uh, you know, wanted wanted his funeral to be in, to be to be held in in the, in the church in Nina. So I just ask people to be patient. With that in mind, uh, Church Road in Nina will be closed from eight eight, in, eight o'clock in the morning to seven pm in the evening. Uh, there will be traffic restrictions will be in place uh, for Kenneth Street, Pier Street, and uh, Nina Town Nina Town Centre traffic from two to seven. And because of that, then extra extra traffic. Um, Facilities have been made available around the town, including, uh, as I said, Nina Rogue and um, Lidl. Mm. So, as you say, people need to be very, very patient uh, indeed where this is concerned. But, I mean, it is a huge honour, is it not, for Tipperary, Shami? You know, it's a... It's, it's a massive honour. Yeah. We, we wish we weren't holding uh, Shane's funeral. Of you know, course, We wish that, that, that Shane was, was still alive and was, was above and Philly's having a few pints mm. with, with the lads. Uh, but unfortunately, we are, uh, and we, you know, obviously, we're, we're very proud that, that that Shane made made Nina part of his part of his his, uh, his funeral uh, preparation. Um, yeah, look, Camille, there's going to be a huge, uh, a huge amount of people. I, I, I've had people onto me from overseas looking, asking me what kind of funeral is on. I don't want to oh, book flight. Yeah, uh, the Abbey Court Hotel, I believe, is full. Uh, everywhere around has been has been booked out. Um, look, I've. I, I've asked the, 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 the council themselves to pump to have Shane McGowan music playing around the town, yeah. uh, you know, all day. Yeah. I know that some of the some some people have come on board with that. Uh, we we haven't really the facility to do that. Uh, I think, but yesterday I think uh, we have um, some um, uh, speakers around the town pumping Christmas music, but it's, it wouldn't be the top stereo stereotype that we'd expect. But hopefully. Uh, people will come on board and and you know have music that Shane, um, Shane McGowan music in pubs and whatever uh, throughout today. But it, there will be people that come that don't make the church plan. Yes, I mean, of, course, of course. Yeah. I, I would also ask ask the pubs and any establishments around the town maybe to put the to put the funeral on on their television so that people can come in and watch the funeral in, in their establishment. Yes, and maybe you know there would be uh, Shane McGowan music in the background as well. So I would ask everybody to buy into this. Mm. And would you agree with? Uh, you know, some of what came up earlier on, uh, that we all knew about Shane's love of Tipperary and his connection with Tipperary, but I, I'm not sure if we fully realised how much he took it to heart and that it was at the core of his being, you know? Look, I think he, he, look, he grew up listening to stories, uh, stories being told, and, and you know, yeah. that era of time, young people... Either they were out playing or they were inside listening to just to, to you know all the people telling the stories and a, a lot of the folklore that he that he learned uh, actually mm. made him who he who he was. 
Yeah. And, you know, that very much uh, framed, framed who, who Shane McGowan was and who he became. <clears throat> Look, fan, me, as a, as, a, as a person, wouldn't, wouldn't have the, the ability to be able to describe how well thought of that, that Shane McGowan has been in the music world across, across the world. I think I heard someone talking there recently about, um, about going into an establishment, was it in, in Nepal? And uh, they went into the establishment and, and Shane McGowan's music was being played there. Yeah. So it, yeah. it, was, it was world over. People, he was for for he was a poet. He was a someone said he was a bard's bard, mm. and I mean that that's a massive um, amount of amount of uh, you know um, heroism toward towards a man that that, yeah. that grew up an ordinary person and and remained an ordinary person. And, 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 and that's, that's the thing, so isn't it? That's that's the thing about it. But I saw Springsteen last night coming out and acknowledging that this guy was one of the great songwriters. I mean, what a, what an accolade from another great songwriter. You know, it's a... uh, listen, Camille. I'm after hearing some of the accolades. Yeah. From some of the top people around the world, yeah. there's no doubt some of them will make their way to Nina over the next yeah. couple, over the next couple of days. They'll be they'll be very welcome here. Um, you know, I'm looking at the weather at the moment; it's not good, but I believe the weather's to break on Friday, so hopefully mm. we'll get a break in the weather. Mm. Uh, I, I don't again, think I, I don't think it'll matter, Shami. I think people. No, I, I don't think yeah. it'll matter either. Yeah. And I want to say that the, the Brian Hogan Celtic Supporters Club will yeah. be doing a guard of honour for him, and and that's Brilliant. that's that's Brilliant. again that's ordinary people. Doing a guard of honour for for uh, an extraordinary person who, who 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 always acted as an ordinary man. Can I ask you before I let you go, uh, Shami, Those heated exchanges in the Dáil yesterday during that uh, so-called debate on uh, immigration, that motion from the rural independents there. Um, did you think it was unfortunate the way it turned out? I think the Dáil over the last couple of days has been has turned very very nasty, uh, <coughs> friend, because there's been. A lot of personal stuff said said to politicians over the last couple of days um, in the Dáil, and I and I feel it's very very unfortunate the way politics have gone. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm I'm I'm, I'm uh, as a, a good friend of mine in the post office office says to me, Shamey, sometimes you're not a nice fella, but you know, but and I'm not, I'm not claiming to be yeah, the fastest yeah. person in the world, uh, but honestly, some of the stuff, and do you know what it's doing, friend? Rather than debating, rather than allowing debate happen of the subject matter. People are throwing insults at mm. politicians. Look, Madame McGrand, the rural independents, are entitled to bring up something. And for some reason or another, all of the parties, including the Social Democrats and Sinn Féin, do not want to have a discussion on the immigration issue. And it's not immigration as such, Fran. I mean, Sinn Féin was, was an immigrant. Mm. You know, mm. Irish people were immigrants across the world. It's the fact that our government has mishandled the immigrant mm. situation, where so much so, now that we have people coming to the country in handed sleeping bags, Mm. And now, now it's nearly too late to put the, to put the capital. But all of the politicians, I think there was someone said there there was to be a debate on on a radio station somewhere up the country on on immigration, and there ain't sixteen politicians other than that was um, in Kildare, Kale, Kale, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think Patrick Cobain was was to go on. He had agreed to go on, but mm. sixteen politicians made themselves unavailable. Mm. But I'm afraid, friend, it is going to be the the, the, the big sub, the, the the big debate that that is going to happen. Sooner or later, and they better have to have that. Yeah, but what, what do you make of it that it was all opposition parties that did the government's dirty work yesterday during this? I mean, all we heard from was the Sock Dems and Labour and Sinn Fein. You know, did you did you find but that again, odd? You're, you're, playing, you're playing the hurler, not the ball. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, Fran, Sinn Fein uh, are, are are slipping in, in the polls, and one of the reasons they're slipping, Fran, is because their own their own supporters 
have an issue with immigration. In the in the sense that the government have mishandled immigration. They've they've opened the country to all and sundry. They've told everyone to come here. They're giving them, you know, they're pay, they're paying them. They're giving them houses. But you know, people Irish at the same time, friend. Irish, our own Irish young educated people are leaving the country yeah. in their droves, yeah. and and they don't want to have that debate because they know they know the Matty McGrath that is for their rights. But they're going to end up having to have that debate when we end up in an election. I mean, it it will be first and foremost. And they are going to have that debate because at the end of the day, you know, I have a motion in for for the next council meeting. And again, it's, it's uh, I, I, I'm a, as a person, and, and Nina is known as the strangest paradise. We welcome everybody to our town. Mm. Mm. But I'm not going to have a government who have mishandled something decide to bust to bus 74 people down to the centre of Dina someday because a, a building becomes available. When we as a council are debating uh, development plans, based on population trends. You can't, you can't do that. You, can, you just can't have an national development plan based on population trends and everything that goes with that in terms of funding for services and you know health services and all the rest of it. And then all of a sudden, because they've mishandled something so badly, they've decided to turn a blind eye and put that crowd on the bus and send them down to Nina there or wherever, wherever an empty building become available. And every, every village or town around the area are afraid that the same thing that nearly happened to the people, Cashel, is going to happen to them. And that's why the debate is raw there. And that's why politicians are hiding from us. Yeah, I was uh, in Cork yesterday, so I was flicking around the, 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 the stations, but I heard, heard coverage of this on, on national radio. And it was incredibly one-sided. I mean, they gave the lion's share to Holly Carnes' contribution, a little of what Matty had to say, but none of the substance of what the rural independents were trying to say. It was really, really disappointing, you know. For 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 probably a week, when 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 um, particularly you know around around what happened in Cashel, uh, the narrative had changed slightly, had softened slightly. Where you know there was a debate allowed. I, I was even watching um, um, the, the 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 new show on on TV three last night. Yeah. And Danny Heatherway was on it, and he was rounded on from all sides. Yeah. It was almost not able to, to to voice his opinion. And you know, at the end of the day. Irish people are sick and tired of being taken advantage of. They're sick and tired of our politicians not doing what they're being elected to do. And they will face the consequences in the end over this. And unfortunately, because of the mishandling, the way this government has mishandled and mishandled the whole immigration issue where, where we have deported 500 people out of 4,500 deportation orders, mm-hmm. stuff like that is driving people mad out there. And eventually... Uh, politicians will have to face face the people on this, and they would be better off to face it now rather than making it, letting it alone it to be an election did, issue. Did you, not, one, did you not think there was a slight rowing back from Sinn Fein on their stance to some degree? I, I, I do. I, I yeah. noticed. I noticed it's often because honestly, you know, as I said, they're they're beginning to lose ground, and they're losing ground, I believe, because of the immigration issue. And mm. I, listen, friend, you've lost someone. We're, we're, you know, we're all potentially losing our young people to, yeah. to Australia and New Zealand because they cannot get put a roof over their head here. And that's, that's in this country, mm. the one thing you all, you, the one reward you got for going out and working and getting up early in the morning the and going to work was to put a, a roof over yeah. your head. You can't yeah. even get a roof to rent. I, I have to say, Jamie, I, I'm raging over it, but I have to temper it because it's too personal. Do you know? <laughs> do you know what I mean? But I am well, raging, I'm raging over, over it. You know? Yeah. I, I'm raging over Frank because I see probably every every week or every two weeks some of my children's friends um, going, and I can tell you, Frank, and I said this on, on Tip of M before, I don't know how my own children are going to put a roof over their head. I got it. I honestly don't. And I mean, for some reason or other, Tipperary County Council have a, have a hatred 
of modular housing. And unless, of course, you're, you're putting uh, putting you know immigrants into, or I'm sorry, um, IPAS people into, or yeah. we're putting Ukrainians into them. They have a hatred of, of timber-based uh, timber-based um, structures. They will not allow them. Whereas it could be a way of looking after our young people, where where young people it could be starter homes for young people. And again, that's something I'm calling for out there is to, to have a reasonable debate on modular homes. All right, Jamie, I must leave it there. Thanks for your time and happy Christmas if we're not talking, Jamie. Thanks. Many Thanks happy returns to you all. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you Councillor Jamie Morris there. Um, news and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie uh, Welcome back to the final hour of uh, Tip today. For any of our politicians tuned our way this morning, it might help you. It might inform you to some degree that I, I'm just going to sum up what's coming into us here. The general consensus is that ordinary Irish, Tipperary, working people or people who are out there struggling feel that they're the forgotten people. They feel that everybody else has been spoken for, everybody else has been represented in some way, except for them. Now you can make, that's not me saying that by the way, this is a sum up of what I'm seeing on the screens here in front of me. That might inform you in some way in terms of how you approach the upcoming elections, or it might not. Or you might say it's all a lot of nonsense and it's not scientific and all of that. It's up to you. Make what you will of that. The €50 vouchers celebrating the fact that Christmas uh, shopping is booming in Thurnus. The Salmon's Pharmacy, Liberty Square, €50 voucher going to Samantha Brennan. Well done, Samantha. And uh, the Supermax, I'd like that one. Um, 50 euro vouchers going to Liam Ryan. Well done to you. And that's Supermax there on Liberty Square in Thurles as well. Now, we talked to uh, Richie on the show this morning. We're with you, of course, every weekday uh, from 9 o'clock. But we spoke to Richie in the 9 o'clock hour this morning about the inquiry into COVID, which is currently taking place in the UK. As you know, Boris Johnson uh, continuing to give evidence there this morning uh, when asked if whether we need to have our own inquiry um, sooner than March of next year, which is uh, what was indicated by Leo Varadkar. Here's a little of what Richie had to say to us uh, this morning. After World War II, we had Nuremberg trials and people were arrested in jail. We need something onto that kind of a system that people will be held accountable. They're not going to get away with a slap on the wrist, you know. I mean, the government pulled ivermectin, a drug off the market that was used to treat COVID-19. It pulled off the market. That's mm-hmm. another question that needs to be asked. Why did it pull ivermectin off the market mm-hmm. when it has been used in so many countries with massive success rate? And yet it was pulled here and there's only a couple of cents per tablet. There's an awful lot of questions to be asked, Brian, you know? Uh, but, the, but is that not the other point? I mean, in terms of setting terms of reference for any inquiry, because, it, you know, it depends on how broad they would make that inquiry. <laughs> Because I'm sure what you're describing to me there the won't, limits, won't be part of an inquiry, if you know no. what I mean, Richie. Yeah. Well, it limits the truth. It limits the truth. I think all all factors should be left open and determined. Mm-hmm. You know, let, let, be a, let if there's only an inquiry, let it be a full inquiry, and let it be like I said on neutral grounds. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I only saw a clip of Pascal Donahue's um, interview only yesterday evening on Gripped, and he's tried to absolve himself of of wrongdoing. You know. Um, just saying, oh, we're following what every other country was doing. Mm. You know, we don't have to be followers. We can be leaders also. 
And that's Richie who spoke to us in the nine o'clock hour. And then we heard from uh, some of our listeners this morning about those uh, hold-ups happening around Limerick. And we just got some info for you on that. Motorists are being warned to expect delays um, after an overturned truck led to a closure of the roads. And we're talking about that uh, Creek Cora to Raheen area that's around the old uh, Ballycommon Road there isn't it in uh, Limerick so as a result a section of that road has been closed there now our understanding is that there's no serious uh, injuries there but a collision on the M7 between uh, Junction uh, 29 and Castle Troy there is a full road closure there and a major backup of traffic as you can imagine so I'm not sure if you're planning to go um, towards those areas but if if you are will you keep an eye on what's happening on online there just so that you're not sitting in traffic like poor uh, Marie seems to be for the last uh, hour alright then it's time to talk all about health and delighted as always on the Thursday to be joined by Muriel Cuddy who's CEO of Marito 8020 the clinic in Clonmel good morning to you and morning, how are Fran. you Muriel I'm great um, you're going to start with a, a kind of a giveaway but tell us about the vouchers first of all are they vouchers for the clinic yes and you know we call them vou- um, a gift of health okay. uh, so they literally fly out the door at this time of the year and I think that's wonderful as in people are actually coming in um, buying vouchers say for somebody like a loved one in their world that they can actually come what in a nice idea yeah, I just think it's lovely like for whatever 100 or 120 euros you get your consultation you know mm. 100 euros you've like your full blood panel you know things like that mm. like so even take the aesthetic world out of it that piece is there as well that people are buying vouchers even say for like the Swedish massage or whatever but the gift of health side I just think that's, that's wonderful idea, and I'm sure a lot yeah. of people are out there struggling looking for an idea yeah, I yeah. Suppose, if somebody in their world is struggling yeah. like to give somebody something like this you've actually done the first step haven't you that That's they're going nice, to come and use it, it. so yeah. are you giving us a voucher to give away yes. to see no pressure or yes, anything yes, like yes, that yes yes yeah. yeah so 50 euros but you know me so I'm not giving it away without um, yeah this, okay. the, you have right. to do something right. for it so okay? what's, what's the story like? so literally this is very easy and you're not allowed Google I'll know I do a lot of manifesting and looking into the future and <laughs> stuff like that so like put the phones down literally yeah. but yeah so quick question on average how many bottles of wine does an Irish person drink in a year? Oh Lord God. Right. It has to be a guess. So the closest guess will get the voucher before the end of the show. So they've got like before the end of before I leave 20 minutes. The the average person. Yeah. You're not allowed to enter. Can I have a guess? You can have a guess. Yeah. Um, And you needn't tell me till obviously till we. uh, 30. Okay. All right, we'll we'll see. All right then. Deadpan so face. <laughs> you should play poker. So um oh eight three three double one double three double one if you have a guess if you want to have a guess at that. So how many bottles of wine does the average person in Ireland drink uh, per year? Uh, speaking of which, you're gonna to talk to us about the liver. Today yes, as well. yes, yeah. yes. A lot of confusion about the liver and what exactly it does and its And role. you know, yeah, and it's one like that nobody will ever come in to me and say, can I have a liver test? Well, maybe one, one once in a wonder because mm. they've been told to for some reason or another, but it's part of the profile. When we do like the occupational health profile, we'll test the liver anyway. And because I work so much on the gut, we find a lot that we're getting non-alcoholic fatty liver. Now, 20 years ago when I started this, that wasn't to the fore at all. Maybe mm. you might get like one person a month and now I possibly get like five or six people a week. Wow. Yeah, which is which is huge. And like when you say to people like your liver profile is out of parameter, the health markers are wrong, they look at me and they say, But I don't drink. 
or only have two drink, drinks a week or whatever and straight away it's associated with alcohol consumption mm. but it's not like the non-alcoholic fatty liver that we're seeing today is literally like our diets the, the ultra processed and the carbohydrate and saturated fat rich diets so it's affecting our liver so if you're fe- affecting your liver like the liver performs hundreds of essential functions in the body and that's like storing glucose from the food we eat producing bile for the digestion of fats filtering harmful toxins out of the blood before they cause damage to the vital organs so many different things and I talk about that all the time like our good cholesterol mops up and absorbs our bad cholesterol in the liver like so a lot yes. of different things happen in the liver so it needs to be healthy so like we're talking about what about one in four um, adults worldwide have non-alcoholic fatty liver and like this is just the start of it so we need to pull back again don't we one in four one in four and yeah. as you say this isn't linked to alcohol no it's not like, no no oh. and like this trend it's, it's, it's escalating like the research is there the trends are there you know and like what you're doing is you're limiting the organ's ability to perform the crucial tasks it needs to perform so your body mm. is going to break down if the liver isn't working right and like there's a list of things can I read out a list yeah, of things sure. of how you would feel if your liver wasn't working sure. right so just even if you can tick three or four of these maybe you need to go and get yourself checked right so if you're feeling unwell in general unperforming literally if you're underperforming like just day to day that you just feel the normal things are getting a lot harder for you to do that means your body isn't able to filter the toxins out of your bloodstream so there's a build up of toxins or poisons there somewhere Mm. fatigue headaches skin problems um, frequent gassy sensations like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago means you can't secrete your digestive juices jaundice or you know the yellowing of skin or the yellowing of your eyes confusion you know toxins build up and that causes confusion within within the brain fluid retention like especially in the feet and ankles I get a lot of that like my ankles are swollen don't know why I think it's kidney related but mm. a lot of the time it's it's um, liver related dark urine um, or like if there's a pungent smell from your urine loss of appetite or you can't just manage your weights so you can't maintain your weight and, and that's coming from the gut side of things as well if your poo is like a very pale colour um, itching and this is like um, in unusual as in you know the palms of your hands mm. even though we'd say the palms of the hands are money I'm always looking for my right hand itch you do know your right hand is the money side I didn't know yeah that. the left hand is the one that loses well, money so itching, no itching regretfully or the soles of your feet right okay. loss of muscle or muscle weakness and then you know the spider like veins that actually appear especially as we get older, underneath the skin or whatever, okay. the little red veins. On the hands? On the, all over, literally, all over. literally okay. all over the body, yeah. And and like the risk factors, um, so you you think being overweight, so yes, being overweight is one. So if you carry weight around your middle, around your belly, mm. that's definitely a risk factor because it's like metabolic syndrome. So that's kind of highlighted, you know. And then other things like having high blood flat, f- fat levels. So if you have high cholesterol, chances are there is something or an issue within your, your, your um, liver, you know. So you're looking at like your triglycerides and your LDL, so that's your... your um, bad cholesterol, mm. right? And then the other things like diabetes, pre-diabetic, having high blood pressure, all of those things are all risk factors. But you don't even know, like, there's no, what would you say, there's no medication that'll fix it. It is reversible, but it's very hard to know whether you have it or not. You know, so like you might just generally mm. feel unwell and you might have no idea. And people that come into me have no idea when we see um, inflammatory markers risen in their liver. Like, see, I think one of the things that make us a little bit blasé about the liver is that we were told at some stage or other that the re- liver rejuvenates itself completely and absolutely yeah. every so often. But it does and it is reversible. Yeah. But it's not reversible if you continue to put the junk in. Right. So if you continue to put the poison in... So you're, eventually you're, you will get to a stage where well, you will you, have cirrhosis damage. of the liver or whatever. Right. So you'll have like exactly what alcohol does. You're going to have the same thing with the non-alcohol side, you know. Mm. And like I'm getting more and more uh, GP referrals now 
that uh, doctors are sending people to me to do the dietary side or whatever to get people back on track. And it's funny because I think every single person that came through this week, now um, there was a very few initials, so they're um, clients or patients that are with me all the time, mm. but everybody is starting to feel better. Like, that's amazing because, like, all we're hearing about all the time is people that feel so unwell or whatever. And a lot of the people that are coming through would have had the health markers wrong on the liver side. So there would have been one thing or two things out of parameter or yes. whatever. And I know when I get their bloods back again, their bloods are going to be back in line. We'll see the inflammation just drop. You'll see the cholesterol levels drop. So, like, it is totally reversible. So what about looking after ourselves then where the liver is concerned? I mean, what can we begin to do immediately? Well, do you know what I'm going to talk about first of all? So before I talk about the food side things because I'm always talking about the food side of things and I know this is December so even the patients that are coming through today I'm telling everybody listen um, Christmas Eve Stevens' Day take a week eat what you, you have like a reprieve I, I, I'm literally and, and they're saying to me like <laughs> but do you actually Muriel do you listen I eat everything that's in sight from Christmas Eve literally do I do for like five or six days right. whatever I want there is not, not enough limits literally right. so you've got to do that but there's a couple of things you can take just to support the liver. So I'm going to do that now because instead of talking about, we will talk about the food side, but I think that's nearly more for the softly approach into Christmas time and then we'll do the stronger one when we get to January. But to support the liver, yeah. So you're talking about an NAC, so a non-acetylcysteine. It's an NAC. So if you're going into the health food shop, that's what you're looking for. It's a precursor to to like a really powerful antioxidant that we would talk about, which is luteinine. And that's really good to help reduce inflammation and reduce the fatty buildup within the liver. Okay, so Mm -hmm. that's your first one. It's an NAC. Milk thistle is the next one. Okay, Mm. and they're not all the same. And you've heard of that a lot of the time, Many times, yeah. So milk thistle is really good. It's a really strong antioxidant that supports your healthy liver but it needs to be 70% silymarine okay so S-I-L-Y-M-A-R-I-N that needs to be the active ingredient and it needs to be 70% or over okay right, if so you're it's looking not at milk just any version not just it, any no. you need to go in and you need to look to make sure the content of what you're getting is in okay. it the other thing with milk thistle or with any of these is if you're going to t- start taking a supplement and you're on a lot of tablets make sure you just check with your doctor first of all mm. because the like of milk thistle or something like that if you're on a blood thinners or whatever you shouldn't take it you okay. know so just to double up on that Cholene is the next one this one transfor- transports fats out of the liver Okay, so we find a lot with um, vegetarians or vegans or people that are on restrictive diets or whatever that they're actually deficient in this because you get it from meat and poultry and fish and eggs and things like that. But it's critical for transporting fats out of the liver. So if you're deficient in it, chances are you could have non-alcoholic fatty liver and you mightn't even have a really bad diet, right? Dandelion is the next one. So we've heard that for years, okay? This is for the production of bile. So we know bile um, aids in the efficient digestion of fats and it takes the fats out of the body or whatever. That's really important. And artichoke is the last one. So artichoke would be very like your milk thistle it has the same active ingredients or whatever but you, and you need the root of that the stem the, oh no sorry you need the actual artichoke not the stem or the root it's more potent right so those few things if you could even include one or two of them over the next few months or the next few weeks middle thistle for me I kind of take all year round uh, and in what what way do you take it? Is so I like it in the drop, the oh, drop, yeah. 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 So I literally do twenty drops in like a small glass of water, and I just knock that back in the morning. Um, why I like milk thistle, I have the cholesterol profile, so for me it's a very important that I keep my liver profile right. And I just find when I use milk thistle, um, it, it works for me. Okay. So there are your supports: milk thistle, dandelion, choline. Um, artichoke and the NACs. Okay, so take any two or three of them, and you're you're have a good chance of giving it some support, if that makes sense. Mm. And then the other thing is, you're watching what you're eating. That's mm. one of the biggest things. So we talk about it all the time. There's a couple of things, even though you're watching what you're eating, right? So we're talking about the sugars and all of that piece, right? 
too much vitamin A, too much supplementation of vitamin A isn't good for the liver either. Okay, so you get a lot of vitamin A from things like your fresh fruits and veg and all the colours and all of that kind of thing. But if you supplement with this, this um, high dose of it on top of that, if you're getting enough already, um, isn't great for you. So just to watch things like that. Um, herbal su- supplements are another one. To take too many herbal supplements, you need to watch it because your liver has to detoxify, it has to process things. So watch what you're taking. That's very interesting, like, yeah. It, it's, it's a big deal. Like we have supplements at the, so you know the old fashioned pyramid, you'd, you'd have like your foods all the way up along, like say your new your whole grains at the bottom and you work up along to the sugar. Your supplements are in the very top triangle of it. And the reason they're in the very top triangle is that you're only to supplement if your body is deficient. Okay. So like you don't just take them willy-nilly. So in other words, if you were eating what you should be eating, you wouldn't need them, is that? No, that's totally. And I like even if you're supplementing, if your gut isn't right and your body isn't right, you're not going to get the full... Um, amount of what's in a supplement anyway and even at that like even I suppose because the liver is so much to the fore now you'll walk into a shop now in December and you're going to see supplements everywhere mm, for the liver yeah. so like to even know what's good and what's bad that's why I was given the actual percentages because they literally just market and brand anything and you think you're taking it it's going to do you good but it's not right. and a lot of the time it's even just filler or it's, it's going to be more harmful. And what always confuses me is the quality of the brands that you're buying as well. You, yeah. you don't really know You have no idea. Like, yeah. that's why we say all the time, wait until you get tested. Do that piece first. See what you need. Kind of bring your body back into some state or this should be a support. It's mm. a supplement. Mm. It's not supposed to fix you. It's a supplement. Okay. It's a support. Yes. So people, like, they, they say to me, I'm taking Revital and uh, whatever, Revive Active and I'm taking this and I'm taking that and I'm taking the other. And I'm like, but your gut is in a state, your diet is all wrong you're not sleeping you're not whatever yes it'll support how much support are you getting like so very little because your body isn't able to and and many people will lay out all of these vitamins that they're taking every day but but they'd never even think I certainly didn't think that the liver has to oh sure it has to work with it like and if you have the malabsorption side as well on the other side so like your gut isn't where it needs to be and like I liken the gut and this is like a really good analogy as in you have the bad bacteria which is the compost heap you have the good bacteria which is all the lovely flowers Mm. so a lot of us have like just the, li- the little corner with the flowers flourishing away and then we've got this big compost heap. The more stuff you put in that the body isn't able to deal with goes to the compost heap, which is like fermenting and doing all that kind of thing and mm. that's why we feel so bad. And that has to go, like go like the liver has to do its work. It's going out into the bloodstream. The liver has to do what it needs to do. It can't do it. The more toxins you build up and the more wrong stuff you put in, you can imagine the pressure that it's under. We are supposed to inoculate the flowers. Mm. We are supposed to get as many of them alive and well as we possibly can. And when we do, then the body kicks back into life and it becomes good and it becomes well. So you can picture how a supplement isn't going to um, pollinate the flowers Mm. like actual proper food can do. Okay, no. it's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting it's a world. indeed. Yeah. It's a world. So when people come in to talk to you, then you don't necessarily put them on a whole load of. Oh, straight away, I wouldn't put them on anything, and I right. tell them that straight away. Like, unless I can actually get them back online and bet, get the body back functioning, I literally like. I'm like, we have to switch it on. We have to go backwards to go forwards. Like, I get somebody coming into me that's like a car that's chucking along. And it has been doing that like for three or four years. So I have to like take that and go back to the very beginning because you have to bring that car back to perfection, if that makes sense. So you're not just going to start firing things into it. Like, how would you, you know? But I will bet you that the people come into you expect to be told, well, take that and that and Um, you'll be grand. No, not necessarily. Because by the time somebody comes in, they've been to like God knows how many consultants. They've done the colonoscopies. They've done, and they'd say to me, oh my God, that was the worst thing I've ever done. And they've been given all the answers as in to say, there's nothing. We can't find anything. There's nothing there. 
your bloods are fine, this was fine, this was clear, that was clear. But they feel literally like they're going to die. Mm. Like energy levels are so low and every year they're feeling worse. So by the time they come to me, they ha- they're ready to listen. Like whatever mm. I'm going to say to do, you might get, I might get one person a month at mm. this stage that I know isn't going to buy in and I know that they're not going to come back for the next appointment or I'll even say it to him there and then, listen, mm. you're not ready, just leave it be. And is it worth pointing out, Muriel, that just because you're of a certain age, um, it doesn't mean to say you need to be feeling a bit grotty. I mean, that that's nonsense. necessarily come it's, with it. It's age. nonsense. Like, it's like, I know when I feel bad. I know exactly why I feel bad. It's nothing to do with work or stress or mm. whatever because we all have work and we all have stress and it's not to do with the kids or whatever because we have the kids and things like that. If I'm not minding myself, I'm going to be a hundred times worse. So if I, if I am eating wrong, if I have a bottle of wine last night, if I have whatever, I know by the time the week of Christmas is over, I'll be dying to get back to work and back into routine. And mm. it's nothing to do with not the re- relaxation piece or whatever. Mm. It's just I feel awful. And you, you were good enough to admit that you will probably overindulge a little. Well, your idea of overindulging <laughs> and mine now might be different, but uh, will you know pretty much immediately that you've done that? Oh, literally by Christmas Eve. Like, I don't like going out after Christmas because nothing fits. Like that's been really honest. So you'll know like, pretty much straight away. Yeah, I can't understand. Like you know, when people have weddings on Stephen's Day and New Year's Eve. <laughs> I would be like, what in God's name would I actually wear to a wedding on Stephen's Day or New Year's Eve? I straight away I become bloated. I'm like I'm like between t- three and six months um, pregnant. Uh, after like say Christmas Eve of wine and whatever is going to happen on Christmas Eve night yeah so literally and the kids will have it so I will eat it I don't don't pull back I will have I love I never eat roast potatoes during the year I eat roast potatoes I don't do dairy I I have butter on them Um, I could have five ten it doesn't really I don't stop literally yeah Christmas day it's yeah and it's it's the rubbish you'll have to send us pictures you definitely will indeed go on will you talk to us about the wine then because we have all sorts of estimations there just give people out the question again okay so the question is, how many bottles of wine a year? Okay, do, does the average Irish person drink in a year? And I'm going to give you a little help in this, right? So the average Irish person drinks drinks the equivalent of 40 bottles of vodka a year, or 436 pints. Now, what? these stats were done when one in four people in Ireland don't drink at all. So they've done the stats literally taken everybody into account. So these stats are probably a lot higher. Just, just give me that about, I, did yeah. I mishear you about the vodka? Yeah, uh, 40 bottles of vodka, yeah. You said 30 bottles of wine. On average? On average, yeah. yeah. So go on then, tell us about the wine. Like we're supposed to drink 14 units of wine a week over three days, you know? Like a standard drink is like half a pint of beer or a small glass of wine or a pub measure of spirits, which wouldn't work in most houses like because a pub measure of spirits is like three measures at home, isn't it? Right, so go on, how many? Okay, 113 bottles. What? Yeah. That's like two bottles a week on average. Uh, that's what I was thinking to myself. Everybody. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. For everyone oh that drinks. So, 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 give me, give me the number again. One hundred and hundred and thirteen bottles of wine. One hundred and thirteen. Let me see who is the closest to that. Uh, Sheila thinks uh, two hundred. Uh, Don Sheila, Joanne's, I'd like to be in your house. <laughs> Joanne is in there at 140. Let me see, I think that's about the closest that we have so far. 140? Really? 140, yeah. Wow. Uh, no, we have a 114. Ah, well done. They Googled it. But it's W. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure, but we'll get in touch with that person and we'll give them there the closest as far as I can see here. I'm just glancing. Yeah. One one hundred and fourteen seems to be the closest. So that's only we'll go two with that. We'll so go with we, that. we'll we'll uh, find it's it, whoever the listener is just has a W after. We'll, okay. we'll give them a call. We should it. probably give it to the person that has actually the two hundred down though, because it looks like their house needs it. <laughs> <laughs>
possibly so. So that's a 50 euro voucher. Go on, a fierce yeah. nosy. Are there people coming to you um, about the aesthetics for Christmas? Oh, totally. We or are, are literally. We started I'm very on nosy, I know. the last aesthetic days. We have started at seven in the morning. We've been in like at half five and we have finished at night at half nine. And that has been back to back all day long, literally without 10 minutes in between. So like wherever anybody can be fitted in, they've been fitted in. And what, is, is that based on we want to look great at the Christmas party? You know, or what What's wonderful based? about it this time is um, there isn't a huge spend out there. So people have definitely waited to get work done closer to Christmas so that they're not getting it done in November and again, you know, this kind of thing. Skin boosters are a huge thing, Fran. That for me is amazing as in it's not even, people aren't going for the conventional like, like filler or Botox or whatever. They want to look really nice but they're going for something more natural. So that's like a hyaluronic acid and you make that in your body yourself anyway. So this is just giving you like as in a really nice So that's the kind of thing they're coming That's the kind of, they're getting the others too but that kind of thing is yeah It's interesting yeah. Is it? If people want to talk to you or Charlotte or anybody else on yes. the team how can they do that? So call us on 0526148881 or com. Can I say one thing Fran? Of course you can uh, My January calendar is nearly booked out We are nearly we are literally and it, it's always literally from last May or June mm. so anyone that wants to get back on track for the new year they need to come in come on to us as soon very, as possible and quickly. not leave it until the new year if that makes All sense. Right. Okay, yeah. good to see you Muriel. Thanks very much indeed. We'll take a break back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie I want to say hello to uh, PJ who has tuned our way this morning. That's PJ Delaney. He's listening to us uh, from uh, Port Leash uh, this morning. Delighted to know there's people listening from all around the country, indeed all around the world as well, because the diaspora is out there and uh, often tuning our way as well. Um, and PJ is of the opinion that Shane McGowan should be honoured in any way we can here in Tipperary, because he goes on to say that he uh, was just marvellous and wonderful and all of that. Now, for this week's Down Your Way, my old friend Eamon O'Dwyer is at the Camera Club in Thurnus. Here's a little taste of what uh, you can expect this Saturday morning. When I started off, um, I, I, the, one of the first uh, photographs I won with was a photograph of Holy Cross Abbey, a place that's very dear to me. And uh, it, was, it won an overall award down in Cork. And it's called The Ray of Light. And um, it's just taken of a shaft of light coming through a window down into the church. Actually, we're looking at that now, aren't we? Yeah, they're just yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, give, give, okay, we're, we're on radio, and of course, it's not television, but uh, give it a, a reasonable explanation of it. And it's just one of the windows in the the north uh, or the north or the south aisle. They're both similar, and the light was just coming through. As it happens, there were no pews there. At that time, there were since there since pews there, but um, it just showed the the shaft of light, and I called it a ray of light, and it won a lot of different awards. Oh, so I think that's the one yeah. that started me off then in the competitions, and yeah. I went on from there then to win different competitions in that. Uh, but, and the fellowship won. Well, the, what what the fellowship was, um, it was back in the in the eighties, and um, uh, the Irish Photographic Federation started up this thing where you could um, go. For 
for various distinctions. And the first distinction was licentiateship, and that consisted of 10 prints, and it had to be of a certain standard or you wouldn't be able to get the distinction, and followed on then with the, with the associateship. And the last one then was the uh, fellowship. Okay. And that, uh, when I got to that stage, I had decided to do industrial photography because I was working at this stage in the Brigette factory, mm-hmm. and I was looking at different light on the factory and so it really put me down that road so I started collecting a whole lot of photographs of the different industries in the in the locality and that's what my 18 prints consisted of industrial photography absolutely yeah Yeah. fantastic fantastic award ladies and gentlemen over the years now what have we here well that one there is called lover's lane and it was a photograph I took one morning on my way to work in the Briquette factory, and it's called Ballabeg Castle. And a couple just came walking into the picture, and the moon was just still there in the sky. And um, yeah, that lovely photograph. But they weren't going home after the night before, were they? They weren't. They were out for an early walk. <laughs> it was only about eight o'clock in the morning, and they were out for their walk. And there was kind of frost there as well. So that actually won a lot of awards for me. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you go about? getting awards, you have to kind of enter them into some panel or whatever. Well, yeah, usually it's through, it, uh, most of the awards were, were through the camera club okay. and uh, you go to different competitions and you, you're lucky if your print is picked to represent the club. Okay. It's a great honour when your print is picked to represent the club, you know. I was a very late starter, I was very late starting anything I ever started in life. Um, I, I, I think, um, God, I was in my mid-30s when I got my first camera and uh, Jim, I was very friendly with Jim Finn because we were in the drama together and mm-hmm. Jim used to be telling me all about this new club and the camera club and whatever and then um, my brother-in-law John O'Loughlin joined and uh, they were asking me to join so I decided then I'd get a camera and I said if I can't beat them I'll join them so I did (laughs) (laughs) so we had many a tussle I can tell you in competition (laughs) we had yeah yeah very enjoyable ones cameras changed and and all most of what the older stuff I have was all taken on slide film or film uh, but now it's all digital so you don't even need a camera now your most phones are as good as any camera now you, you have know a that group a man and he's smoking his pipe oh that is that is uh, that just was one i took off uh, jack maher he was a neighbor of mine and um he um he he lived just down the road in Glenree. And uh, I, there was actually a competition on in the club called Nighttime. And uh, I thought, wouldn't it be nice now to have him with candlelight? Mm-hmm. And I went down to Jack and set it up, set up a lovely, he had a lovely fire lighting. And then I, I lit a candle and Jack has his pipe in his mouth and he's reading the paper. So it is actually taken with available light, the light from the candle. Beautiful. It actually was on the front cover of the Ireland's Own. Oh my God! <laughs> that was. Thanks <laughs> very much. Yeah. yeah. That's a special interest, you know. There's no question about. Look, there's lots of photographs. There's lots of people that you have photographed. What is your famous photograph? Number one. Well, I suppose um, the Lovers Lane one, I think, was probably yeah. my most successful one. Okay. 
okay. you know, okay. and uh, other than that, there are a couple of the industrial ones that I really like. Okay. Yeah, and that's one of them there. I was down in Photo Island and uh, I saw this factory, IFI, which was just on the road into Cove, and I got a fabulous photo of that. I was just there at the right time, and I got a fabulous photo, and it was one of my 18 that was in my fellowship panel. So I really liked that one. Oh, I just love that programme. That is a little snippet of Down Your Way with the Thurlis Camera Club. You can hear it in its entirety this Saturday morning from 10 with the great Eamon O'Dwyer. 1800 I mentioned PJ there from Portley. She joins me now. PJ, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thanks for coming on with me, PJ. Fair play to you indeed. You think that uh, Shane McGowan uh, should be honoured properly in in Tipperary. Shane McGowan should be honoured because he had beautiful songs out and that song that he had out there in New York, that is one beautiful song and that should be played everywhere. Not just alone Tipperary, Port Leash, anywhere should be played and there should be speakers mounted on top of poles there and be playing that over the Christmas because he had a past and he came through it. He fought hard. He came through it and he should be honoured. Were you always a big fan, PJ? I... The, the only song I used to love him singing was The Fairy Tale in New York. And ever yeah. since that, I always listened to it, you know. Yeah, and, and it's a fantastic song, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a beautiful song. song. I, I don't know. I, I think it gives a message yeah. of what he went through and all, you know. I suppose, yeah. Did, did, and no. Why have you a particular affinity for, for it? Did you go through any of that yourself, PJ? I used, I used to be drinking fairly heavy. Did you? And I gave it all up. Right. And Fair I, used to be, I used to be drinking two and a half litre bottles of vodka, and I used to have three or four in front of me on the floor singing. My I'd be stoned, I got over my head at home sitting, and eventually I just turned around and said, No, that's it. And how did you manage to do that, PJ? I started getting sick, and I had heart trouble, I had six heart attacks. Then I started, I got fibromyalgia, I got heart trains, then I got. Uh, irritation the bowel I had to get half the bowel removed now I'm on the stomach back for life they thought it could reverse my bowel but there's too much complications to it so they said uh, it'd be 50-50 if I come out from underneath the operation so I had to live with this bag for the rest of my life until God calls me and is that all alcohol related PJ? that was all alcohol related because I was was poisoning my system with alcohol that's because of the truth and I'm off of now I made ten year off it now off the vodka and everything. And if I go out now as a pint of Guinness, that's it. Do you know? But, but you would still it. have an odd pint, would you? I'll have an odd pint on social occasions, like yeah. say coming up to Christmas now. I get I get eight cans of Guinness. I drink four of them. That's it. Right. Let the rest in the fridge. And and how do you manage to stay? I mean, you know, because it was such a problem for you. How 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 do you stay off it in that sort of a fashion? Uh, it was, it was hard, uh, friend. Yeah. When I started, and I was, I just friends of mine came in and they said, started drinking around me. And I used to turn and say, no, I don't want to drink. Yeah. Yeah. And I drink coke or I drink, or I drink as I said, to Guinness. That's about it. But the rest of me would drink a vodka or whatever whiskey, Captain Morgan, whatever you call it. Yeah. They would drink it that, but no, I used to stay on the Guinness. And when I got the rupture on the bowel, then. I was in hospital last year for Christmas. I was kept in. I wasn't even home for Christmas see my grandkids or nothing over the operation because it was a seven and a half hour operation. And I wasn't home for that. So you're home 
uh, three days after coming into the new year at home. And, and this year, thank God, I'm out and spending time with the grandkids and everything for Christmas, you know? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm delighted to hear it, but it, God almighty, it sounds as if you've been through the wars, BJ. That's for I sure. I was yeah. through hell, but sure, look, I'm here, I'm alive. Yeah. Thanks, God. But is Thanks that God. is that why you have an affection for Shane McGowan? Because yeah. he, he went through he all went of this. Through that. He, he went did. through all that. Drugs, everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he fought. He fought. Then he got the cancer. He fought that. Yeah. Tried to fight it, and he came back. You know, yeah. like he, he's brilliant. He's a he's a fighter. So he was. He was a fighter up to the last. You know, isn't it great? What is a Port Leishman doing listening to Tip FM? By the way, well, <laughs> I used to go with a girl from Tip FM or yeah. from not Tip FM. Sorry, from <laughs> Ross Gray. <laughs> right, very good. So you're... from Ross Gray, and ever yeah. since that, I started listening to Tip FM and everything at home and on the radio and everything. So very good. Well, I'm I'm delighted you're tuned our way, and can I wish you a happy Christmas, PJ? And the same to you, Fran, right. and your family. Now, can I say something else, Fran, if you don't mind? You can. Yes. About our government. You can. I was up in Dublin uh, there yesterday. I walked through Parnell Street, uh, Mary Street, Amore mm. Street, everything. Mm. And Simon Harris, or not Simon Harris, Garda Harris said that there'd be foot patrol guards on the streets of he Dublin. Did. He did indeed. I had not, I was up there for three hours and I, have not, I hadn't seen one guard on foot patrol up in, in Dublin. So why is the government line or they're going to put foot patrols out on the streets of Dublin or Port Leash or anywhere? So you didn't when see one guard. Now, we're no, talking about guard. the top of O'Connell Street there, Parnell Square, all where, of that. Where the, where the, where the, the, the school was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where the eruptions are, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. What? No, one guard. Man. You know, they're taking more... Now, I'm not being, I'm not being racist or anything, but they're taking more asylum seekers than they are the Irish. The asylum seekers are coming into Ireland. They're not guard of ed. Look at that, look at that, uh, Ashley Murphy girl, out for a run. And this scumbag attacked her and killed her. And is that the general feeling of, say, in your circle of friends there, PJ, is that the general feeling that, you know, that you're forgotten about and that you're not being listened to? Is that, is that it? No, it's forgotten about. As simple as that, Fred. Right. One of these days, Ireland is not going to be Ireland. It's, we're going to be asylum seekers instead of the asylum seekers coming to our country. That's the way I'm looking at. They're letting in hundreds of them. Right. Like there's, there, I'm after being in Dublin, as I told you yesterday, Fran, I'm after seeing Irish people sleeping in doorways. <laughs> you know, it's, it's unreal. All right, PJ, you look after yourself anyway, and thank you for your time this morning, PJ. No thank problem, you. Fran, thank you, and thank you very much, and all you. your staff, a very happy Christmas, and all to their family, and your family, and all, Fran. And many Be happy safe. returns to you, PJ. Thank you very much indeed. That's uh, PJ. We'll take a break back in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Time to talk farming now and uh, I'm joined by Rachel Donovan from the Irish Farmers Journal. Rachel, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Yeah, good to talk to you today. First of all, that delay to the acres payments. What, what's happening there, Rachel? Yeah, Fran. So there's over 18,000 farmers going to be hit with a significant delay to their scheme payments, um, particularly those. these are farmers in the acres cooperation approach. So they're going to be not going to be paid their average of around 5,500 until after Christmas. 
and the department are saying it will be um, February in, at the earliest. So, so these payments were they're already late. They were they were due to be paid. Um, so the insinuation was that the payments will be issued around the middle of November. So they're definitely not going to get them now before Christmas, and it, it will be into February before those payments will be issued. And I suppose the the big worry here is that that there is 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 um, no real farmers aren't aware first of all how how how, how much they're going to be mm. paid let alone when they're going to be paid so there's a big concern there around how much farmers are going to get are they going to get the five and a half thousand all they've they've, they've these actions completed it was for the 2023 scheme so all the actions are done at this stage they've paid out for whatever they cost and i suppose they're, they're going to be waiting now a long time um for their payments and you're talking over a hundred million in, in payments tied up. Um, wow! Um, that was supposed and, to be issued to these. And when will they farmers. get the detail on this, Rachel? When will they get detail on how and when they'll be paid? So letters outlining the new payment schedule are, are set to be issued this week. But as I said, the department are, the department are very non-committal on on when they will be paid or, or how many farmers will be paid. And I suppose there's there's another issue then in this acre scheme, Fran. It's the, the new agri environmental scheme. You have acres cooperation farmers who are the farmers that won't be paid until February, and you have Acres General farmers. So there's about 28,000 farmers in the Acres General, and the department have said that they will be issue, they will begin to issue payments for these farmers next Monday, or sorry, Monday week, the 18th of December. Um, so they haven't said how many. They're only giving themselves four days to issue payments to right. these farmers before they break for Christmas. And so there, there, there's no certain figure yet, but throws in the wind are that, 18,000 of these 28,000 will, will receive their payments. Um, so I suppose that still leaves 10,000 farmers and, and around 40 to 45 million euros um, that, that, that won't oh be God. paid. The uh, reprieve from the cap peatland rules, what, what is that about? How long, how long is that uh, reprieve going to last for? So there's talks about a one-year reprieve, Fran, from this. This is, yeah. um, this is for farmers, um, I suppose, in... The Midlands in the West, mm. we, we reckon there's no maps set yet, but obviously it was set to come in from January 1st next month where farming activity on these peatlands would be, I suppose, pared back or refined. They'd, be, they'd have to carry out new farming activity or change what they've always done. There was talks of re-wetting, restoring these lands, but um, the department is currently seeking flexibility from the European Commission to push back the, the start date for the new rules um, and the, the, there's hopes that it won't be until 2025. The talks that the maps will be set this summer, or, or say next summer, 2024, uh, and farmers will know exactly in what areas um, these, I suppose, restoration or, or rewetting actions will have to take place, and um, so farmers will will have to follow rules such as um, you know, a ban on ploughing yes. on peaty soils, or as I said, draining these lands, um, these lands, um, in order to to receive their payments. So that's definitely um, one. That farmers in these areas are 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 welcome of. And um, there's an attempt in the journal today, Rachel, as well, to put some clarity around the new nitrates derogation rules. I mean, roughly, what what happens from the first of January? So, Fran, from the first of January, you're talking upwards of two thousand farmers who will have to cut back their their stocking levels, and they will have to be uh, by the end of 2024. Stocked at 220 kilos of nitrogen, um, of organic nitrogen per hectare, and so that's a, a drop from 250 kilos down to 220, and, and that's the estimate that there's about 2,000 farmers affected by this. 
but obviously th- that this is going to this is is coming mm. down the tracks very fast. You're talking next month. Farmers are worried. Like, uh, are they going to have to cut cow numbers? Is it export slurry? Is it look for more land? And it's a very short window to try and to secure either, even one of those three things. So I suppose the good news this week was that um, stakeholders at the Water Quality Working Group have secured, um, well, there's hopes of, of securing flexibilities that will reduce the impact of this cut to the derogation on, on these farmers that w- will be impacted. And I suppose there's, talk, there's talks of a move towards um, more low-protein concentrate feed during summer, um, as well as adjustments mm. on the nitrogen contra- content of slurry and also the nitrate excretion rate uh, for young calves um, is, is set to yes. be pared back a bit. So but I, I'm confused, Rachel. Will there be culling or won't there be culling? Well, I suppose that's an interesting one, Fran. We we have on, pa- on page four of this week's paper um, the culling statistics for October and there was thirty um, an extra 33% um, of dairy cows culled this October compared to last October. So the, speaking to marts and factories, this call came kind of in late autumn, you're talking late September and into October. Now, figures for November seems to be similar enough to last year. And overall for 2023, uh, cow culling figures are um, on par with, with, with 2022, but there definitely was a huge surge there in, in October of, of up 33%. And I suppose maybe that was... Um, fears from farmers that yes. you know, they might not be able to secure that extra land and there definitely is fears on, on the ground Fran and, and they're just not sure how how harsh these these cuts will be how harsh the cut will be on them and how much how much flexibility they will have around either reducing their cow numbers yeah. exporting yeah. their slurry yeah. or, get, or renting more land Interesting and, and finally on a very stark note Rachel um, suicide in the farming community it's an area of concern. I was reading that piece by Sarah McIntosh, and it's very sobering, isn't it? Yeah, so Sarah McIntosh has a piece um, in, in, in the paper this week, and it, it reads that almost one quarter of Irish farmers have uh, suicidal ideation. Um, so I suppose, yeah, it, it was from a webinar, psychotherapist, a lecturer, and grief and loss specialist Liz Gleeson um, told the web, it was a webinar that, that was on last week, Embrace Farm organised it, that it means it essentially means that farmers think about suicide as as a possible option to get away from, from their problems or, or overwhelming feelings. She said that people bereaved by suicide within the farming community are often not afforded the same time and space to grieve. Sometimes um, the responsibility of the farm falls immediately on their shoulders, compounding the impact of the grief and trauma. So I suppose different circumstances in the farming community there, Fran, when when something like this happens and it's mm. I suppose a bit more difficult in those circumstances. My God, well, it's very, very stark indeed. Rachel, we really appreciate today. Thank you, and uh, thank you for coming on with us. Thank you. Good Thanks morning to you. That's Rachel Donovan there, who's news correspondent for the Farmer's Journal. The journal is on your shelves as we speak. That's it for me. Emma produced Ali looks after our content, and Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Be good now, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.